the Academy Award-winning director, Steven Soderbergh. Brett Favre claims not to know what a podcast is. You know, I have a podcast, Brett. Did you know that? Um, no, you don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> Reggie Wayne, Brett Edward. I had a, a, a pet snake mm-hmm. by the name of Law. I'm not a snake fan. I don't like snakes. Buy the snake in the house. I get a, a, a text on my two-way. Law dead. <laughs> Chris Cooley threatened to prank call me. Steven, how are you? This is David Dunn. Did I see No, you didn't because I'm recording this thing right oh, now, no, dude. No, no. This You're is the, the podcast. Uh, you the Andy best. Reed did not call Tim Tebow last night. <laughs> too much. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the first in-season edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast in 2013. Holy smokes, what a week, number one. We just saw no shortage of storylines to discuss. The National Football League proving once again it is not only first-rate entertainment, it is the number one reality television show that America has to offer and export to the rest of planet Earth. My name is Rich Eisen. I am your humble host. Good to see you at Chris Brockman. Good to see you, Rich. How it going? Breathing a sigh of relief. You are Woo! no doubt as you won in your Patriots, won in Western New York by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin. Danny Amendola, it took him all of a half to get hurt. He did gut out a 100-yard uh, uh, receiving performance. Shane, he did. Shane Vereen is already... Um, well, he was the only 100-yard rusher on Sunday. On Sunday, the only 100-yard rusher that was a running back. Terrell Pryor right. ran for 100 yards. As the Oakland Raiders, in my mind, Looks have found their new starting quarterback. Crazy. Uh, at Chris Law. Good to see you, sir. Flying high. Fly you Eagles fly, baby. have to be... <laughs> Over the moon. I was excited. That first half, A, was one of the most entertaining halves in football. And then a little concerning at the end there. You know, can they sustain that? But if it can stay healthy, Deshaun Jackson might catch 135 balls this and season. And my man, LaShawn McCoy. And, and LaShawn, LaShawn McCoy. McCoy. I texted oh. you, Rich. LaShawn McCoy might lead the league in yet. rushing just to spite you. Just to spite you. He is your leading rusher through one week in the National Football League. And that is one of the things about the Chip Kelly offense that we saw on Monday Night Football. Uh, just blowing the doors off of FedEx Field in the first half of the game with 53 offensive plays, 53 snaps on offense in the first half, as many snaps the Pittsburgh Steelers had the entire game. Your tweet was um, uh, on Sunday. Uh, unbelievable stat. Well, when I saw that was 50, I heard Tariko say that's 53 snaps in the offensive first half. I immediately I was sitting on my computer and I thought to myself, which teams struggled on offense? Right. And I think why not take their their cross state rivals in a way the Pittsburgh Steelers who had a dreadful offensive game on Sunday against Tennessee at home it does not help that their major field stretcher is now in Miami complaining about his role in the offense already (laughs) despite having won ask the coach Rich Mike Wallace is no longer in Pittsburgh but perhaps their best offensive player and I am including Ben Roethlisberger, for whom I have an incredible deal of respect and amount of respect. I've known him for years, and he's been on this podcast. He's a friend of the program. But Marquise Pouncey could be the best offensive player for the Steelers, and other than Ben, the most important. And he is done for the year. Yeah. He got hurt right off the bat. 
when the center goes down, that is as bad almost in many cases as your starting quarterback going down. And without Pouncey and without Wallace and without any continuity on that front. Or any semblance of a running game. The Steelers scored nine points. Yeah. And they had as many snaps in the entire game as the Eagles did. And the, the thing about the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles that really got me was the amount of rushing yards that they had. Because you think, okay, if they're going to take all of these snaps and play a, a football game like it's, like it's a video game, essentially – and they're going to have 77 total plays, which, by the way, Washington had 70. Washington obviously needed to keep going to get back in the game. But you saw Chip Kelly in the second half of the game take the air out of the ball to try and maintain the lead and almost almost cost him. Oh, it was a three-score, four-score lead most of the game. But 443 total yards for Philadelphia, 263 of them were rushing. And you take a look at the rest of the National Football League, and the numbers uh, are down for running. They are, I think it was an average of 83 rushing yards per game. Fabiano's telling us to draft running backs. I don't know, man. It's week one. You know, and there's so much knee-jerk reaction you can have to a half. And Twitter, <laughs> Twitter just plays into that. Oh, it's oh, amazing. Yeah. Okay. And, but RG3, and I tweeted this at halftime on Monday night, RG3's mere mortal first half is exactly what Donovan McNabb was talking about back in May when he told him, just keep your thoughts to yourself about how well you think you're going to perform, how healthy you think you are going to be week number one, because it raises the expectation level of the fan base and members of the media that are prone to criticize. And what we saw in the first half from RG3, he looked like a quarterback who's coming off of an ACL injury who didn't play a single down exactly. in the preseason. I tweeted out yep. uh, RG3 and outs because that's pretty much what it was the entire first half. Of well, that. it didn't help that, that you know, Alfred Morris, of all people, fumbled yeah, once. Now, the, the, the pitch play, you could sit here and say, well, why are you calling a pitch play right at your own goal yeah. line? Why are you doing that? Because there's so many issues that can be had. Sure. Certainly, if there haven't been these types of exchanges done in a, in a live bullet situation, um, and I don't know, you could blame it on, well, Morris has got to catch it, and RG3's got to pitch it better, whatever. They just looked completely out of sync while the Eagles were blowing the doors off them. And I don't know if you could make uh, heads or tails whether that was a backwards pass we're referring to the Ugh. to the, the Vic, Eagles yeah, first with a major turnover and, and and D'Angelo Hall walking the ball in the end zone which was smart of him because that took the air out of the ball too that's that's a few more seconds the Eagles didn't have to take a snap against the defense and, and he did the prime dance Rich I know he did try to go prime time as many of the uh, uh, star players do Our- but, but the bottom line is, is the Eagles have served notice. Absolutely. The Eagles have served notice, and the Chargers, who had a great <laughs> first half and then had their usual on ESPN Monday Night Football second yeah, half. Week six last year. I was say, the Broncos. At least last year they waited six weeks. But this time it happened. It was a microcosm of their entire season in four quarters. The Chargers looked stellar. Phillip Rivers had four touchdowns. They're up. By uh, 21. Blowing them out. Another Twitter overreaction was everyone was like, see, fire Norv, blah, blah, blah. It's great. The, the, the Chargers are awesome. And then by the fourth quarter, it was, maybe it wasn't Norv yeah, after Norv's all. Laughing, <laughs> Norv's laughing. Yeah, right. And it was just like the, the, the Broncos scored 24 unanswered. We're referring to that, that week six game yep. 
last year where the Broncos scored 24 on answer, were down 24. And that they scored really, more than they, they were down 24 and scored. Right. And, and yeah. that really changed Denver's whole season and last it year. It did. And, and then you saw um, uh, the, 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 the 24 unanswered from Houston. So Houston is now 1-0. and And that Brian Cushing t- play was just oh, unbelievable. It was great. And it was, you know, people saying typical Phil Rivers, et cetera, et cetera. But so, so the Eagles have served notice. And it's the Chargers who now have to go all the way across country and take on the Eagles at home in week two. And then week three is the short week. And who's the coach that's going to have to face the Eagles on the road in a short week with Chip Kelly serving notice on the league that this is the way we play, this is how fast we play, and how can you prepare for that in a short week? Who is the coach who's going to have to do that in week three? Andy Reid on NFL Network. That's going to be... McNabb's number going in the rafters in the Eagles' nest that night. That's week three. I was happy for Andy Reid, too, though, to get the win. and. Awesome fashion. And, well, the Jaguars looked uh, dreadful. Gabbard is hurt. He had a cut on his hand. It took 15 stitches to close. And now Jacksonville has to go out to Oakland this week. And Terrell Pryor looked great. He did. Terrell Pryor looked great. And you remember, it was, I believe, I'm not, I didn't look this up. So this is off the top of my head. But I do believe the supplemental drafting of Terrell Pryor was Al Davis's final act on planet Earth as the decision maker of the Oakland Raiders. I might be wrong. But if Pryor turns out to be the savior, again, now we're, 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 completely, we're completely early on in this whole thing here. Knee-jerk this, knee-jerk that. Of course. That. Hey, that, that's the beauty of week one, Rich. No doubt. But clearly the Raiders have made the right decision by saddling up Terrell Pryor, who darn near shocked the Colts in week one. Well, he provides the element you can't prepare for, which is his ability to extend the play and make things happen with his feet. Which he did so many times. Well, But in the fourth quarter crunch time, he made the mistakes that you would think somebody making their first career road start to open a season no would question. make. And, and somebody who he, or, or said in the preseason that he was just sort of learning football again because of how uh, his life has gone and how things had gone for, for him in Oakland. And but it was just really, really odd seeing a quarterback for the Raiders wearing number two, making all of those plays, <laughs> I, I man. I thought the same thing. I thought, I mean, I thought just the same like, thing. wow. And he looks like half of Jamarcus Russell right? out there. But it just, it took a while right. for a quarterback to wear the deuce out there in Indianapolis, right? For the Raiders, the silver black on the road. They looked, and defensively, they were putting the bang thing on Andrew Luck after a great quarter and a half for him and, and Reggie Wayne. They really put the bang thing on Luck who pulled out his usual fourth-quarter magic trick, magic act of just stepping it up. He ran one in from about 20 yards out. It's crazy that nobody talked. And then, and then... It's crazy that nobody talks about Luck's ability to make it happen with his feet. You know, it's, it's Robert Griffin this and Russell Wilson and Colin Kaepernick that. Luck's just as good on his feet and making things happen on the fly. No doubt. And the, the Colts now take on Miami this week in Indianapolis, two 1-0 teams. As Miami went into Cleveland, it was your... It wasn't pretty, but they got it done. And, you know, the, the Browns, who I said has a chance to become the, the surprise team sure. of 2013, not like that. Mm-mm. Not like that. I mean, defensively, they were doing some good things. Brian Hartline, everybody. Brian Hartline, your boy. Unbelievable. Your boy waited 20-some-odd minutes to 25 draft 25 minutes to draft Brian Hartline. Outscored everyone. Well, our, our, uh, our Mark Brady of NFL Media yeah, sent us a producer. list, right? He, yep. he sent a list because he's, uh, uh, thankfully, one of the people in this building who listens to, to the podcast. <laughs> uh, sent us this list. Calvin 
Um, uh, Brian Hartline outscored the following wide receivers in fantasy. Here we go. What's this list? Calvin Johnson, Des Bryant, Wes Welker, Brandon Marshall, Vincent Jackson, Marcus Colston, Julio Jones, Hakeem Nix, Greg Jennings, Dwayne Bowe, Mike Wallace, and Steve Smith. <laughs> Unbelievable. Brian Hartline outscored them all in fantasy. Did your guy start him? Here's the best part, Rich. Did not start oh, him. He kept you a half <laughs> an hour waiting on a and fantasy draft. Did not start him. Oh, serves him right. That's what he gets. <laughs> That's karma. You I get can, the karma horns. Man. I can't wait till Hartline doesn't total these numbers the rest of the season. One of the names that you did not hear on that list, Larry Fitzgerald, who had two touchdowns for the Monster Arizona game. Cardinals. Monster game and uh, eight receptions, eighty yards, two touchdowns. Larry Fitzgerald that we've all come to love and know. Um, and they got a big defensive play uh, from their from their defense. Honey Badger came from behind. Jared Cook was going crazy for the Rams from the tight end position. Yep. But on a 47-yard reception, clearly going into the end zone, Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew pops the ball loose for a safety, right? It was, it was uh, batted it out of bounds. Right. Huge play. Huge play for that defense. Uh, but the Rams took care of business in the last – Greg the leg. Quarter and a half. And Greg the leg, young Jeezy, young took Jeezy. care of it. We will talk about it with Larry Fitzgerald himself, nice. as he is one of the guests on this program. We have gone several minutes into a week one recap. We haven't hit on everything. Uh, and we haven't mentioned the word Manning yet. Peyton Manning getting everybody off uh, in the National Football League on the right foot, except for anyone wearing purple and the Ravens. But, I mean, basically, what better way to serve notice that the NFL is back than to see the sheriff do something that we have not seen since Y.A. Tittle did it in the early 60s, which is throw seven touchdowns in a game with no interceptions. That was, that was something it... I mean, it- it's remarkable. He he carved him up, and all week long and all summer long, we're like, how's he going to work Wes Welker into an offense where Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker are already there? How's he going to split the football? And we found out how he was going to do it. He's going to share the ball with Julius Thomas and Andre Caldwell also for touchdowns. You're John Fox, Peyton Manning, REP picks. Looking good. Looking pretty good. One, One game in. One game in. But I had Peyton for the MVP, and I believe also passing yards too, did I not? I will check. Check on that. Check on that. I believe I just put, I pushed, I, I Jim fossiled it. I pushed all my chips to the center <laughs> of the no, table. No, you had Drew Brees for your passing all right, Well, that's not too bad, but long story short is the Broncos. Put everyone else on notice also. Right, and and just blew the doors off of the Ravens, who were up at halftime in that game. Indeed. Yeah. But Jacoby Jones getting friendly fire, and Michael Orr getting friendly fire, getting hurt by, by knocking legs with their own players. Mm. Uh, Jacoby Jones was a huge blow because you could see they that were looked, missing a weapon. That looked painful, too. They oh. were missing a weapon, to say the least. And then and then I understand Wes Welker uh, had, had truly dropped the ball. The ref said he had caught it. Peyton right. Manning uh, snapped the ball before John Harbaugh could throw the flag. People were being critical of John Harbaugh and that everything changed from there on out because the next pass went to uh, for a touchdown and, and then the floodgates opened. I think the floodgates were going to open anyway. It seemed that way. In my mind. But... That happened on Thursday night, and then Brother Eli, instead of having seven touchdown passes, was part of a team that had six turnovers. As the Giants became the first team in eight years to start a season with three opening possession turnovers. And, I, I mean, I tweeted that, that, that uh, Coughlin needed a defibrillator, and, and our buddy the Worm, he was oh. off the hook. <laughs> He was off the chain, and I'm sure Ferraro, all the G-Men fans Absolutely. that we know, because they still had the game in their hands to win it. 
in poor, Dallas. Poor David Six Wilson, tr- man. Yeah, he's second year in a row. He gets a chance to make plays, fumbles, benched. And he, guess who plays one another this yeah, weekend? Eli pay eleven touchdowns between the two of them. That's insane. Yes, because over overlooked is was was Eli throwing for the second most yards. In what the was league. it nine hundred plus yards and eleven touchdowns? So here they are, the Eli and and Peyton game, the Manning Bowl, and the man who called both of their opening contests, Al Michaels, will join us. Yes, and we are going to surprise him. We'll let you guys in on the uh, on the surprise. But at one point, some point during the conversation, Dennis Miller is old Monday Night Football yeah. compadre. We'll Dennis call Miller. in. Some of the best lines on the podcast in its three-year existence. No doubt. And then later on, we'll pick some games for week number two. From week number two, we didn't even talk about some of these other games with the Jets. I mean, the winning. 49ers, Packers, that one. We will talk about that after our first guest, Larry Fitzgerald. He is not only one of the best, he is a, an all-time best. He's now in his 10th season in the National Football League. And uh, he comes to us not only courtesy of the Arizona Cardinals, but the good people of Lenovo. We'll discuss that in a moment. But first off, please welcome back to the Rich Eisen podcast, Larry Fitzgerald. How are you, Larry? I'm doing so great, man. I had to, I had to ask how you're doing. I mean, it was a tough weekend for you. Uh, well, you know, here's 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 the way I approach it. Um, I I go through my off season conditioning, <laughs> um, and I just take it one script at a time and hope for the best. And uh, and and like you, occasionally lean on Kurt Warner to get me through some segments. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt Kurt abandoned me many years ago. He well, abandoned me many years now, ago. Now you know you, you know can lean, he can you can lean on him, but I I can't lean on him anymore. Well, though. here's the deal, Larry. Is that you know I I hear that from you a lot. Um, let me just say it's pro. I, I feel it's a two way street. Sometimes Kurt gives me a look, and I and and I think he wishes that I I was you. <laughs> No, he used to give me much more dirty looks than you do. I trust, trust me. You know, that's the thing about Kurt, you know, is that he's he's a real he's a real competitor and no and like of the first Hall of Fame rate type competitor. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do sometimes is just scratch the surface a little bit. And um what's the word? Red ass is the only it comes right out of Kurt hey. Warner. You know what? Honestly, I, you never come to his his, his first things first. It's his foundation um, um, charity. Yep. Um, flag football event. He does it every every every, um, every year. He rigs it every single year so his team wins. Like, come on, man. Like, who does that? I never even get out of the out of the first round. He always puts me with really bad athletes. <laughs> I can't get out of the first round. But every single year, somehow he's fighting to win a championship, and it's just not fair. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Is that he he's got to win even in his own charity flag football <laughs> tournament. That's that's the way he it is. Uh, and I know it's you you lost the game on Sunday in St. Louis, but things things definitely looked a lot more fluid on offense that I've seen in quite some time. How did it feel to you out there, Larry? Um, for the most part, it felt good. You know, obviously, we didn't capitalize on some opportunities we had late in the game, which we needed to correct. Um, um, but you know, having Coach Arians, you know, calling the plays and uh, Carson Palmer throwing the ball is, um, you know, it's been it's been really a lot of fun. Coach Arians really puts guys in position to go out there and have success, no matter what your skill set is. He's going to find a way to get you um, in position for you to be successful for the team. And uh, you know, he's, he's he's really a fun guy to be around. He challenges you every single day in terms of uh, mentally digesting what he's throwing at you. But when you when you play on Sunday, you know exactly where you need to be in and, and where you need to uh, uh, in a level he expects you to be playing at. 
And so, because it wasn't just you. It seemed that the ball was being spread around. It seemed, however, in the last quarter and a half that that things bogged down a bit. What happened in, in the later stages of the game where you weren't as successful as the first half in that regard? Well, you know, I never discredit, you know, what St. Louis was able to do. They have a really stout defense, you know, some great pass rushers and a solid secondary. Jeff Fisher's always done a good job defensively, schematically. Um, but, you know, we just didn't convert on third downs that, um, you know, we felt that we should have. Um, and that was the biggest um, reason for us not being able to sustain those drives. You know, we had the plays called, um, but for, for reasons, um, you know, only falling on the player's shoulders, we just didn't get it done. And, um, you know, that that's going to haunt us. Now you've got uh, the Lions coming up this weekend. Uh, where do you rate Calvin Johnson in the grand scheme of things, Larry? He's the best in the game. Um, you know, you look over the last two years and what he's been able to do and the productivity he's had. I mean, numbers don't lie. Um, the guy is an absolute beast out there in the field. He really has no physical weaknesses. And, you know, he continues to display that, um, that great God-given ability and hard work um, every single week. What's your relationship with him? Oh, me and Calvin are real cool. I've always, I've always been a big fan of his. He's a he's a really good guy, um, and uh, you know I always enjoy the opportunity to see him wherever it is. Now, did you see Reggie? Did you see what Reggie Bush was able to do in his first game yeah. of the Lions? Were you able to yeah, see that? I, I, I did. You know, have over 100 yards receiving, over 90 yards rushing the football. I mean, we see that they're going to really utilize his skill set. Um, uh, he's he's uh, he's been a force. Um, everywhere he's gone out of the backfield, and now he's running the ball inside the numbers, outside the numbers, really, really well. Um, so we're going to have a lot of um, you know things to deal with. we got to score some points this week because you know Detroit is. Yeah, I mean, sure, Detroit's definitely going to put some points up, but you do have obviously some playmakers on defense um, uh, with uh, Tyron Matthew making a, an incredible play defensively just this past week. Uh, a lot of people say that's just scratching the surface of what he's able to do in the National Football League. What, what are your thoughts on that? Larry, I love I love the young man. What you saw him do on Sunday is the exact same thing he practices every single day. He practices that strip with with our coaches. He practices when guys are running with the football. He's one of those type of players that the football just always finds him. If there's a fumble, it somehow ends up in his hands. If it's a tip pass from the defensive lineman, it somehow ends up in his hands. He just finds a way to impact the game. Special teams, he's made a lot of plays for us this weekend. So he's going to be a huge. reason why we have success this year because uh you know his skill set he's just a special special talent i'm so happy he's on our team yeah who threw who who other than you threw threw their arm around him when he got drafted and just called him up well you know the great thing about is uh patrick peterson and him played college ball together so he lived right. with patrick for a while um, um a lot of guys you know we really just try to just show love to him i mean you know what you do before you get here has no has no bearing on how we're going to treat you. Um, our, we, we love him. He's a, he's a great teammate to us. You know he works hard every day. He's a, he's attentive in the meetings. He's punctual, and, and that's all you can ask for from a young guy. So uh, take you and Calvin out. Who do you think's the the next best receiver in the NFL, Larry? Oh uh, man, that's, you, you put me in a tough position. I'd like to I do mean, that. You, you know that. You, you put me in a real tough position. Um, you know, I hate singling certain guys out because you always leave a few out. But, you know, you look at Andre Johnson. He's done it for 11 years at a really, really high level. Um, you know, obviously, Roddy White, and um, you, know, you look at what he's been able to accomplish over, over the last few years. Um, Brandon Marshall playing at an unbelievable high level now with Jay Cutler. Um, you know, Vincent Jackson down there, uh, Wes Walker. I mean, I, I can go on and on. There's sure. a lot of guys playing at a at a really, really high clip right now, and um, it's it's a lot of 
top-tier talent. Can you throw A.J. Green into that elite status now? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I hate I hate having him yeah. because you always you always forget somebody. Steve Smith down there in Carolina. <laughs> uh, I mean, we, we, we can go I on and on. Reggie Wayne and what he was able to accomplish last year in Indy. I mean, I know I'm slighting somebody, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of high, high play in our game. Mm-hmm. How are we going to get uh, Arians – to get that tangle on the sideline, you and I both know he really he really wants to rock that lid well, on he should. the sideline. He should. New Era made it made especially for him. New Era is our official uh, sponsor for, for headgear in the league. I mean, they made it especially for him. I don't think this should be a problem. And, and it's also the the proceeds from selling the hats were going to go to a, to a worthy cause. And so, uh, you know, you know, the NFL sometimes they just uh, they don't want you to have too much fun. Oh no. Well, I mean, you know, it, there there is a way to do it, and and you know, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take up this cause, Larry. Um, you know, I tried I try sometimes I tried to get, for instance, uh, Matt Ryan. You know, everyone calls him Matty Ice. I tried to get people to call him the Matural instead. <laughs> it really hasn't been able to get much traction, but I try, <laughs> I try, and I'm gonna do. I'm I I think getting Arians in that. Tangle. Maybe get like even Sam Jackson involved to try and make it a larger platform. Yeah. I, what do you think? I'm just spitballing here. I mean, if you can get if you can get Samuel Jackson involved. You know, you know it's going to get going in. Okay. You know it'll be it'll be like rolling uh rolling the ball downhill. It's going to pick up some traction. <laughs> you could definitely do that. Yeah. What what would you do this off season before we get to Lenovo? You always do something interesting. You're always traveling. You're always doing charity work. I want to catch up on on that, Larry, before we get to. Uh, some of the business at hand here. Well, I've visited 13 more countries. So 13? Now I'm, uh, yeah, now I'm at 90 countries visited. Um, and uh, and I checked off my last continent. So I went down to Antarctica with Andre Roberts this year. Antarctica? Uh, what did you do yeah. down there? Um, you know, it's just so much so much to see, um, so much wildlife, marine biology, birds. Just It was really a fascinating trip and, um, you know, one that I've been looking forward to doing for a long, long time. Do they have a courtyard by Marriott down there? Where'd no, no. We stayed, on, we stayed on the icebreaker ship, and then every day we would Zodiac onto, onto the continent and, and do nature walks and, and go see the different uh, penguin colonies. And it, was, uh, it was really fascinating. How do you arrange that? How does someone just like, get on an icebreaker? I know you're Larry Fitzgerald, but I mean, you still got yeah, to make uh, my My things. travel company, um, Kern Downey, I, I do all my travel exclusively with them. Uh-huh. Um, so they arrange everything for me. What are the other what are the other what are the other countries that you hit? Um I I went to the Philippines with Starkey Heron Foundation. Me and Anquan Bolin and Roddy White also went to Senegal with Oxfam America. Um uh, we built some fences there, um, you know, for some of the communities that have been um they they grow these crops in there, some of these communities and villages and the hippos will come from the water and they eat all their all their crops. Um some water wells over there for them as well. So I mean, it was a, it was a, little, a lot of fun, you know, and I got to spend some time with some of my good my good friends, Anquan and Roddy, as well. Well, Anquan blew it up this past weekend. Wow, Sorry. wow! I mean, he he crushed it. I mean, he's he's the toughest football player that I've ever played with. Is that I right? Mean, no, no question. I mean, he he broke his face. That's true. They had to wire his jaw shut. They put seventy screws in his jaw, um, and he was back in three weeks. And he scored two touchdowns in the game and ran a couple people over, and that's the kind of mentality he has. And I mean, he is he is tough as a boot, and he's going he's going to really be a, a force to be reckoned with all season for San Francisco. He had two fewer catches Sunday 
than the entire Ravens wide receiving core did Thursday. I mean, they're going to miss him. I mean, I, I, they're going to miss him. Man. Um, all right, so, Larry, you're, you're, uh, you're partnering with Lenovo, the number one PC maker in the world, and The mm-hmm. Onion, an eight-part mockumentary-style video series called Tough Season. It's a fantasy football-related campaign with you, Andrew Luck, Alfred Morris, Matt Forte. Are you acting in these I'm videos? Trying. I'm trying. I'm, I'm doing my best. You know, I, I had a really good time with Alfred Morris and Mason Crosby and, and Matt Forte and Andrew. I mean, they're a lot of fun to be with. And, um, you know, we just had some fun. If anybody's really into fantasy football, you, you will enjoy our mockumentary. Um, you know, we just, we just had a good time and let it, let it flow. So you're, you go to Lenovo.com slash NFL. Yeah. So are you, what, what, who are, are you a sort of a, are you Denzel in your acting? Are you, uh, who else can we go with here? Are you Clooney? I mean, who I'm are Chris, you? Chris, Christoph Wiltz. You know, I have a lot of depth. Oh, am I am I acting? You know, I he's got two I, Oscars. Two Oscars. Larry. You know, I, I know, I know. I, I hold myself to very high standards. I know that, but okay. <laughs> so, so you're if you could if you could be on any television show, what would mm-hmm. you do? Where would you want to guest star on any TV show? Hands down, Boardwalk Empire. Oh, that's, yes. my, that's my that is my favorite. I absolutely love that. Chalky White. I want to be one of Chalky White. <laughs> I want to be one of Chalky White's goons. That's what that was. <laughs> we can make that happen too. You don't, don't tease me. Don't. I'm don't, not. Don't no, Larry. Me. We make dreams come true on this. Yeah. Pro- and you know, when you come on this podcast, I try to leave you in a better place than I found you, which is difficult with you. I mean, everything <laughs> is going great for you. But I'm going to make this. I'm going to try and make this happen. Why wouldn't you want to be Chalky White, part of his crew? Uh, I would love to, or, or you know, me and Nucky Thompson riding around talking business. You know, I, 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 any, any of that. I would have a great time. I like it. So I have not caught up on you. You probably have you been able to get uh, on the the premiere because it premiered Sunday. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Have you seen so, it? I've so not as, seen it. As soon as I get home, you know, you know what the sad thing is. When we play home games, I'll watch Boardwalk Empire. And TiVo, the Sunday night football game, I watch that after. That, that's how serious I am about it. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm that way sometimes with Breaking Bad. I don't know okay. if you have you watched Breaking Bad. Have you seen not, that? Oh, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. Larry, it's not for the faint of heart, but let me suggest to you because you know, I mean, you've got a lot of time on on planes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me also leave you with that gift. Start watch that. That is okay. mind blowing mind blowing television. Certainly another one you gotta check out is Game of Thrones too. Oh, That's I'm in awesome. on that. I'm oh, in on are? that. Okay. Larry, I'm all in on that. So so uh, if I could call so can I can I call you later in the season to have you analyze say like the season finale of Boardwalk Empire. Can I have you on to do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're in. Because Aaron Rodgers did the season finale of Game of Thrones for the podcast. I'd I love- know. And he ruined it. He ruined it. It ruined the ending for everybody that was TiVo on it. On Twitter, right? On Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, his rule yeah. is the 24-hour rule. You know? oh, okay. It's on you if you don't do it in the first 24 hours. Yeah, true. True. So, true. all right. So, Lenovo.com slash NFL. Watch uh, Larry uh basically blow everyone away with his acting skills while auditioning for a role as Chalky White's crew member on Boardwalk Empire. That's the way I'm going to I'm going to couch it.
Larry. Okay? I can ride with that. I can ride with that. Hey, Larry, good luck against Detroit down the road, and I am going to take you up on that. Uh, you're going to come on back uh, after the season finale of Boardwalk Empire, whenever that is later in the season, and uh, we'll talk We'll talk some TV with you and some Cardinals football. Okay, I would love it, and congratulations on the big win this week. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. We but did you're, still t- not gonna beat all, you're still not going to beat Ohio State when it, when it really comes Why would down you say it. that, Larry? No, I'm just saying. I mean, you haven't been able to in a long time. I mean, well, Ohio State. They, listen, Ohio State, all they've done is whip up on uh, – who do they take? on week one i forget even it was i forget which uh which which school they beat up on i shouldn't say much because we had central michigan but then we take on notre dame and they whip on marshall's uh sad sack institution of higher <laughs> learning in san diego state i gotta ask you what did you think of eminem at halftime what'd you think of that you know i didn't i didn't actually get a chance to watch oh, the halftime two, I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to two watch things it. when you hang up for me uh download all the breaking bad you can okay and google Musburger and Eminem stat. Okay, Trust me, okay. you will not be disappointed. Okay, I'll do that. I will do that. All right, and then I'm going to go to Lenovo.com slash NFL, and, uh, and I'll see you soon on Thursday Night Football. We come to your house for Seattle at Arizona in a few weeks. I look forward to seeing you, Larry. I can't wait to. It's always a pleasure to be with you, buddy. Thanks. That's Larry Fitzgerald. Follow him on Twitter, at Larry Fitzgerald. Also go to Lenovo.com slash NFL. Larry Fitzgerald, we have our work cut out for us. Got to get that Kangol, that lid. On top of Arians' hat, head, right? Props to Fitz for knowing that New Era now, too, is is making that hat for him as well. Well, I think, here's the deal. I saw Arians in L.A. Uh, he was here for the ESPYs. Mm-hmm. I saw him. He was wearing it. I said, we got to get you. To wear, are you going to wear that on the sidelines this year? He says, he's trying. He's <laughs> trying. And he was wearing it. It was made by the people who make them. And there he always shows up with the ball cap. So something's happening here. And I'm getting. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Ownership? Get to the bottom. Think, I don't know. I don't know. I doubt it. I'm sure that ownership wants a coach to be comfortable. Yeah. Right? Ownership makes, it would will make act, sense, but. Unless you're, you know, I guess the Jets. <laughs> but, um, no, in all seriousness, I mean, owner wants a, his coach to be happy and comfortable. He wants the Kangle. I got to find out what's going on. And now I got to go find some producers of, uh, of Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. How many phone calls do we got to make? For I don't them? know. I'm, I'm going to text uh, our good friend of the program, Bobby Cannavale, to start. It's a good place to start. Right? He knows, I think he knows where the bodies are buried, literally, <laughs> yeah. figuratively, on that show. Um, so that was fun. Let's talk about, before Al Michaels comes here, some of the other games from week one that we didn't hit, and that we got to start with the Jets. Because oh. we, you know, we spoke ad nauseum about what a disaster of a quarterback competition they held in August, and how Geno Smith was not ready. By the way, I think I called that, by the way. What? That I, Geno would be starting week one. I don't know. We may have to go back into the archives, but I remember someone in this room being adamant that Sanchez would be the week one starter. Well, did you say I that Gino ac- would I be the starter for because injury, Sanchez but... would be in a game inexplicably in the fourth quarter of a third preseason game? Facts are facts, and Rich. The, the, the third preseason game that Geno Smith started because he was inexplicably practicing on a hurt ankle in week two just so he could try and play week two yeah, and you... couldn't play week two, and he got hurt in the week one game that he was probably not... <laughs> Not supposed to really be in for as long. I mean, no, that's not true. The week one game, he just got hurt. And sa- I mean, did you see all that? Bronco was pretty quiet when he was Dan Orlovsky. Did you see? Out of the end did zone. you see that is the reason why Gino started? No, I just thought that he here's would be the, the week deal. one here's starter. The deal. But here's the deal out of all that. Doesn't matter. You look in the standings, and there's a one under the W. And there is a round number under the L. As a former Jets coach used to say, Rich. 
You play to win the game, and the Jets won the game. They did. It's true. Now, they needed some help from the football gods. Ooh, did they As ever. Levante David, the linebacker of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who picked off Geno Smith in one of the moments that it looked where Geno was a rookie. There were other times where Geno Smith was matriculating the ball down the field, wisely moving it down the field, taking care of the football. He did have a little bit of the Sanchez penchant for coughing it up within his own 20-yard line um, during the game that led to um, a Buccaneer touchdown. But the defense of the Jets looked really solid. Josh Freeman, if you're a Buccaneer fan, is a concerning development. A concerning development. Yep. The Jets bottled up Doug Martin, so to speak. Revis was uh, essentially nothing to write home about, and it has nothing to do with whether he was hurt or not. I don't know, but he was not a factor. Let's put it that way in the in 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 picking anything off. He was not the Jets' leading receiver. He was not the Jets' leading receiver. That was Michael Irvin's bold, bold prediction. prediction. Where he would have four interceptions and four <laughs> touchdowns or something insane like that. Oh boy! So, um, but Gino did enough, and then the defense couldn't stop Tampa Bay in the final throws of that game. And the Buccaneers kicked a field goal. Thirty-five seconds left. You know, Gino uh, connected on a pass and then ran one, and Levante David shoved him, shoved him while he was just going out of bounds, or maybe on the white, and and the flag comes out. You can't do that. That's can't, a bang bang play. Can't you can't beat up can't Levante on that though. Chris, you can't do it. No, he's he's got to know. You can't yeah, touch a quarterback. Let's just say he doesn't, and Gino doesn't go out of bounds, and he gets ten more yards. He's, he's so then, get, so then I, they're not in you. field goal range, and there's only three seconds. But he could have gone clock. more than ten. Is, no way. I agree with you guys, but to, that guy, that kid's a great right, player. Well, he's no. He, I was about to say he he played a great game. Yeah. With the exception of that, and the Jets are one and zero. One and zero. And it just goes to show you, you never know. And Rex can coach defense, man. He can coach without defense, Copels too, and they are they are playing for. I mean, they're playing for him. No, they they got chips on their shoulder, and here they come to New England, which is Brady's missing a weapon inside his twenty, buddy. Inside, well, inside the, the red zone. zone. Inside I mean, the we red were zone. saying it on Sunday. He is missing a weapon, and and be nice yeah, to have one of those six five he, guys just I, hanging out. I tweeted that out that the Patriots are clearly Brady's clearly missing a weapon uh, inside the twenty. Oh, and somebody tweeted geez. back at yeah, me. Tweeted back at me. Uh, why don't you go uh, drag the lake? Look in the lake. Oh boy, I have no comment. But I mean, Gronk. Gronk is definitely an answer. Uh, Amendola hurt his groin, left. Now he's maybe not playing on Sunday, on Thursday night because yep. it's too short a week for him to maybe right. rehab in time for it. Shane Vereen busts his hand. I don't know if that means we're going to see uh, Bolden, right? Brandon Bolden. Brandon Bolden, or, who had some great games last year, he did. And then well, I mean, Legarrette Blunt looks like he's running in mud right now. So, so I don't know I who's going to run. The I rock. guess it's Ridley who got benched. So I, I don't know what's going to go on there, but they, you know, Kenbrell Tompkins looks the part, except when he's got to run the right route or get his feet in bounds. He just he looks like a little a, a puppy. He does that that that's like running a, like around a, like a newborn horse. Who's right, just, exactly. Yeah. He does. You know, you could see that. The the Tompkins we see this week, the potential for him in week eight, nine, and ten could be great, right? Because Brady targeted him yeah. fourteen. There times. There was that play on the, in the end zone too, where, where he ran yeah, in you know, the yeah, where his feet was all. Yeah. And he, he does like, look like collide. a foal. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, Joe Buck was great on the call though of that game. He was by great. Way, Joe, he? by the way, it was great on every call. Except I don't know who was calling that Forty Niners. It Be- beats me. Was it Tom Brenneman? I don't know who that was. But Buck was doing. I got how he's in every other booth this week. It's amazing. 
So the Patriots need to find somebody for Brady and uh, to score. Is it Edelman? Well, he scored twice. He did, but uh, I don't know if you can with those little those little guys inside the twenty. You need right. some big tall trees. You need to, some six five guys to go over the middle and go up and get you know, it. Sudfeld is hurt too. His tight end. So, but the Patriots did get it done against the Buffalo Bills. Somehow pulled it out towards the end of that uh, towards the end of that game. Um, what other games have we the, not discussed? The Niners, Packers. I mean, yeah, that, that wow. Was, now, that was the Joe Buck game. <laughs> that was the Joe Buck game. Yes, and um, I believe the future Mrs. Buck was was there as well. Yes. So we were. Oh, I'm watching the game, and and I'm noticing Kaepernick's not running, and when he's running, he's sliding. He's sliding. I'm sure that's been ingrained. And there were a few times where he had at least a 15 yard pickup, and he finds Bolden for 30. How great, how great was he? And Quan Bolden, as I just told Larry, had two fewer catches than the entire Ravens wide receiving core did in Denver. That doesn't include the tight ends. You know, obviously Dixon and and uh, Dallas Clark right. had targets and catches for Flacco, and Ray Rice led them in receptions. But just the wide receiving core, man, oh man! And when Crabtree, your buddy Brockman, comes back, look out, Vernon Davis. Oh my lord! I mean, you saw a couple times Manningham sitting on that bench. Too. I was I was watching that game with, hurt. with two Packers fans. Our uh, our pal Bucky, Bucky Brooks from the Draft Three Sixty Five podcast was a scout with the Seahawks whenever um, Anquan was coming out, and he said his grades on him were incredibly high, but he ran a four seven four. That forty yard dash. Means it's amazing zippo. with that. I know, and look at what Quan's done in the, in the NFL. And how, how about Fitzgerald loves him? A slow he misses him. He misses him. Like Mrs. Kurt. He wants the band back together, doesn't <laughs> Mrs. he? Quan. He doesn't have a bad band right now, though. No. The no, band has definitely improved no. down in Arizona. And Andre Roberts is, is legit, too. That He went down to uh, Antarctica but with him. Everyone is talking about the sequence um, down by uh, the Packers' goal line, goal line yep. where Kaepernick was running out of bounds and Clay Matthews, like jumped just off the top rope at him. Jumped top <laughs> like rope, crazy. Got him by the neck. Joe Staley was flagged as well for hitting him, and everyone in Pereira was right on it, um, talking about how uh, the down should not have been replayed at third and six. It should have been fourth and short um, because of the offsetting, offsetting penalties. Should not have replayed the down. The down should have counted. Because it was a dead ball, and that would have meant that the. Niners would have been in a very tough spot. Do you kick the field goal there? They probably would have. Instead, they replayed the down, and Anquan Bolden scores his touchdown of the day. Or was it a me, Vernon Davis? I forget which it, one. It was Anquan. But the league comes out and says that Staley shouldn't have been flagged anyway. I think that's covering a little of their own. That t- might be. I mean, cause that's, that might be. You don't, you don't get into a that the, physical but, fight. But the bottom line is the down shouldn't have been replayed. Right. You know, yeah. and um, uh, that did not help uh, Green Bay. But it, the, the league is saying, had that been officiated properly, they still would have been able to have a third down play. It would have been a first down play. So they would not have been kicking a field goal either way, had it been officiated properly, as opposed to officiated properly the way they were officiating it. Does that make sense? <laughs> like I said, covering some Packers fans right. not happy, though. That's two years in a row they've been jobbed on the West Coast. Yes. And then there was another call in the Monday night game the San Diego game where the the uh, um, Texans kick a field goal 
to make it 28 to 17. Right, the defenseless snapper. And this is what we talked about with Dean Blandino, yeah. that when the, 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 the long snapper is now considered a defenseless player, and I thought what that meant is you can't touch him with his head down. And, and, and the Chargers player need the snapper in the helmet, top of the helmet with his knee, and the flag comes out. But the rule for a defenseless player is you can't hit him in the shoulder or neck or head area with your shoulder head. Does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. So yep. technically, you got him with a you're not, you're not It's not legal to knee someone in the head, but by rule, that really wasn't a foul. Like you needed yeah. to hit him in the head or the neck with your shoulder or crown of your helmet. It's a, it's a little like the, the Colts-Bucks game on Monday Night Football whenever they got called for leaping, and it was the guy. It was a penalty that had nothing to do with the result of the play, and they threw the flag. And you know, and I know we always nuts. sit here and say all of this stuff about how truly the only referee call that I can remember that affected a game 100% was the touchception, the fail Mary. But you could still, even in that instance use the axiom that Rod Woodson told me that Chuck Knoll would always tell the Steelers before a game is guys you have to play better than the refs ref right that at one point you're going to get a call that doesn't go your way but if you're playing better it doesn't matter if you're playing better it won't matter that that had that had um the Packers not allowed Aaron Rodgers to be sacked so much in the first half of last year's Monday night game in Seattle, they wouldn't have been in a position to have a fail Mary touchception call go against them at the end of the game. That's the concept behind the playing better than the refs ref. Absolutely. And if I was a head coach, that I that's the that's what you have to take yeah. that a point. But boy, it would really burn me up if, if a call goes the wrong but way. But the internet would have lost out on WTF Mike Silver too. That's true. So and um, and the, so anyway, the interesting part about the Clay Matthews play, I think, is what Jim Harbaugh had to say <laughs> on Monday. Do you have that I got sound, it. Yep. Chris? This is I want to play this for all the listeners out there who who either didn't hear this or you're overseas and you're not as uh, you're not as equipped with your daily uh, NFL viewing schedule there to be as on top of every single thing that's uttered. In the NFL landscape, as Jim Harbaugh maybe we is really turning into quite the quote machine. I love it. Here's what he had to say about it. You know, then Collins scrambles uh, out of bounds, and and uh, you get the personal foul. You know the uh, you know the play, the the launching. You talk about launching. You talk about a clothesline. You know, to the neck area when the when our quarterback's six seven feet out of bounds. You know, then. Joe Staley jumps in and, uh, you know, locks him up, and then, and then somehow Joe Staley gets, gets a personal foul called on him where, uh, you know, I, lo- I looked at it with my own eyes. I could see, you know, uh, two punches thrown, you know, to, to Joe's head. And, well, one punch and, and one open slap, which, uh, you know, that was just a – if you're going to go to the face, come with a – Come with some knuckles, you know, not a not an open slap. So, you know, I think that 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 young man works very hard on, on being a tough guy. He'll have some he'll have uh, have some repairing to do to his image uh, after the slap. And he's you know, shadow he's, sh- he's shadow boxing there during that <laughs> during the slap. Wow. 
works okay. hard being a tough, tough guy. guy. And he's going to have to work on his image. Oh, my Lord. We'll have to save oh, that for Clay when we gosh, come I sure hope they play each other again in the playoffs. That would be really good. Uh, and then, then do you have McCarthy's response? Yeah, because yeah. most coaches don't say other coaches' names in their postgame presser. Yeah, right. And you could tell he didn't want to say Harbaugh by name, but he says Harbaugh. So you have it? Okay, here you go. Listen. I have no idea what his intent is. Uh, Clay Matthew uh, is not a dirty player by no means. Um, so uh, I, I addressed Harbaugh's comments in, in the team meeting, and, uh, you know, as always, we'll stay above it. As always, we'll stay above it. Yeah. Nice. It's back. Week one, baby. Oh, love it. Add Mike McCarthy to the list of head coaches who don't like Jim Harbaugh. He's such a Pittsburgher, too. I love hearing him talk. It's Yeah, it's, baby. We'll stay above it. Uh, now, we talked about it on the previous show, man. Jim Harbaugh is ripping it out of Pat Riley's playbook. He is hammering on the fact that my quarterback is a target. He's being targeted by players in the league. He's being targeted by the rules that he calls biased. Biased. The rule is this. If you are running read options and you hand the ball off as part of the read option and you are selling the rest of the read option by acting like you still have the football, you as a quarterback are still able to be legally hit. That is what the rule says. I think that's a an absolute reasonable part of this game. It's a reasonable rule. No question. We are already seeing defenses on its heels. They can't stop half the stuff that's being thrown their way in the NFL right now. Well, clearly, no. if you look at the scores, nobody's playing defense in the NFL. So you have to come up with something, this read option. You can't say that uh, he's faking like he has the football, and you as a football player have to determine, uh, if he's faking it, I can't hit him. But if he has it, I got to hit him. How can you make that decision in real time as a, an, a defender? You have to give the defender the ability to blow that guy up legally if you think he still has the ball. But Jim Harbaugh says that that rule is biased. He is. It's like Lord of the Flies, man. He is whipping them up. He is whipping them up. <laughs> and, you, you know, you even hear Kaepernick. Kaepernick said uh, this week something that, that sounded like Jim Harbaugh saying that if intimidation is your game plan, you've got to come up with another game plan. That might have been the quote of the week, too. Now, we, we've we interviewed this young kid. Yep. Does that sound like him, or does that sound like somebody who's banging something into his head? That sounds like somebody banging yes, something into his head. Yes, he sounds like Harbaugh. He's whipping it up. It's working. And, and he's talking about it. He's... He, it's like you better not you better if he gets breathed on you better throw a flag ref and i'll tell you what ref you seen what's going on around this league before the game just go ahead keep an eye out for that and i guess guess what else these rules that they're coming up with guys in this locker room we've got to go out we're not only beating our opponent we got to beat the league that's coming up with rules to try and keep us out of the super bowl it's week one, and he's whipping it up. I'm loving this, man. This oh. is what's happening, man. This is what is happening. We're back. In the NFL. And we got, what, 
as we're taping right now, less than 48 or, what, 55 hours till Thursday night football yes, kicks off? it's coming. Do we oh. miss any games before we get to Al? Do we talk about everybody? I don't want people tweeting at me saying, hey, you talk about, well, we didn't talk about New Orleans um, oh. and Atlanta. How do we slip on that one? Wow, Roddy White banged up. That really. Well, I'll tell you what. The mat. Yeah, he 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 tried. He clearly he clearly wasn't himself. Yeah. The match rule, darn near pulled it off at the end. By the way, I mean it was I right mean, down at the end. It was in hands. Gonzalez's hands. That's right. When you miss all the preseason. And could you uh, just that moment, that moment right there, right there, and what that will mean for the NFC South moving forward? Saints look back. You can take a look back at it. Now, the Saints, the Saints' defense has improved. That is for sure. That is for sure. The dude, by the way. And, and, but you have to say the Atlanta defense, the Atlanta defense came strong in that one, too. I mean, there were only 40 points scored in that game. I mean, it, 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 really. And you would think there would be a track meet because Noah Sante exactly, Samuel exactly. and virtually every single cornerback that Atlanta was fielding is, is, in his, is 25 and under. It was a 25 and under secondary, practically. That they were throwing out there, and uh, Drew Brees, Drew Brees was was held to a mere three hundred fifty seven yards <laughs> passing, and um, it it's it's it was awesome. I mean, that was a the, the game that we were expecting to see. The Falcons jumped out to a ten nothing lead, and just like the NFC Championship game, they couldn't hold on to it. They were trailing at the half, thirteen to ten. They scored first. Julio Jones looked, you know, Stephen Jackson was uncorking some vintage two thousand five on occasion. Um, so we have to we have to figure that out about what the Falcons are going to be on the road when they have to win a game, and um, they've got this week. The no. Saints are in Tampa. Right. I think they they win that game. Me too. I mean, Tampa just looked sloppy. They had, they had they had double digits of, of penalties. We saw what happened at the end of that game, and um, Vjax had a good game, but he got tackled by a, on that breakaway play. He got tackled from behind by a linebacker too. And Atlanta, um, Atlanta is at home this week against the Rams, which is a very fascinating game. Um, I still think the Falcons pull that one out, but if the Rams can go on the road and go to two and zero, then then it's officially on in the NFC West. Yep. I think the Rams feel it's on, regardless win or lose, and they should be right about that. Week four, Thursday night football, by the way. I've mentioned a couple of times that it's Eagles and uh, uh, Chiefs. Andy Reid back in Philly to open up week three. Two weeks from this coming Thursday when we open week four, it's the 49ers in St. Louis. I'm very much looking forward to that, as is uh, Mrs. Sneed. Kara. Mrs. Sneed. Maybe we'll have her on. Oh, we'll definitely have her on that week. We'll see what she's got rolled out for us. But um, just great stuff all around, man, uh, for week number one in the Exciting. National Football it's, League. It's great to have it back. It is back. And we have walking into the studio uh, one of the all-time greats. Now let's talk about uh, the Sunday night game and the Thursday night game that kicked it all off with the man who is the reigning Emmy Award winner for Best Play-By-Play Man and is also the uh, reigning uh, Roselle Award uh, winner at this year's 50th anniversary of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Good friend, one of the best. Al Michaels, good to see you, Al. Rich, what does is, what is reigning mean in this case? Ne- next year, I'm 
Um, well, I mean, you know, it's a year to year past. business. It's a year to year business. Of course, it for, is. for 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 most of us, defending. You know, but you're defend, yeah, defending. <laughs> just get, take care of Buck and and all those <laughs> other guys. Um, so we're we're let's just go right into it. Uh, yep. Peyton Manning gets touchdown four, and then five, and then six. How do, what, what are you thinking as you're calling the action there? Well, Denver, when he has four, I mean, I always knew the record was seven, and I've done some games with six. In fact, I once did a game where Peyton had six interceptions against San Diego on a Sunday night about four years That's ago. Right. and almost won the game. So uh, he almost uh, he almost pulled off a miracle win, I think, for uh, Tony Dungy at that point. That was the one where Antonio Cromartie had one of the more incredibly athletic interceptions you'll ever see. He did, and there was a question about a penalty at the end of the game. But anyway, so leave it to Peyton to throw six picks and <laughs> almost win the game. But I thought the other night that, uh, well, first of all, you know, Baltimore played pretty well in the first half, and people forget Dallas Clark drops what might have been a touchdown mm-hmm. pass, and that could have changed the game significantly. But in the second half, Denver comes out, Peyton begins to do his thing, and uh, when he has four, yeah, that, that's great, but we've seen four a lot, and then five is a, a different story. And at that point, I think I'd mentioned that the, the record was seven, and he was on his way to a Bronco record. When he gets the sixth, it's, uh, now you're thinking, this is going to be fun. Does he have a shot at it? But they had such a big lead at that point that I didn't think he'd get it. Uh, and as it turns out, they really needed that third down conversion from deep in their own territory. And they throw a little swing pass out to uh, Thomas and tight coverage on him. He gets past them. And then all of a sudden, you've got your seventh touchdown pass. So it was great to see uh, to see him do that. Uh, he's such a magnificent you know, player and, and person as well, and I've never seen anybody prepare any harder than he does. And uh, the funny thing is, I mean, I've seen him play better, as strange as that may sound. Uh, there are games that I think about where we've covered Peyton where he's just been off the charts magnificent. But it's one of those nights, everything comes together. Baltimore has a lot of you know trouble defensively trying to – put uh, the right people in the right places, and, and it turns out to be really a night for the ages. And you know, I mean, to me, when I thought about it the next day, I mean, one of the most amazing things to me is that last year in a 16-game season, the Kansas City Chiefs had eight touchdown passes as a team. <laughs> That's right. And Peyton throws seven in one night. So, I mean, I don't need to tell you, you know, just as, as well as anybody else, this is sort of a knee-jerk reaction media that we have in this league because we have a full week to digest something before something else happens and changes the way that we see now with social media you can even boil that down to halves so what do you think week one of what you saw for denver and for baltimore means for the larger picture do you think we can get anything out of that, Al? I think, well, Denver's very good, uh, and they were in last year. I mean, they were probably a better team than Baltimore uh, at the end of the season, but we all know what happened. If Raheem Moore can knock that pass down, then Baltimore goes home, Denver goes on to the AFC Championship game, and who knows what happens. But that's why we love football. So you have that one play, and that changed everything. So Denver's really good. They play in a division that's not very good uh, at this particular point. So... I. I see them winning the division unless something disastrous happens. Welker helps them. You have three receivers. You have Peyton Manning at quarterback, and then you've got Decker and Thomas, and you throw Welker in there, and then Julius Thomas comes out of nowhere. Correct. As a tight end. It's such a well-coached team to begin with. Um, You know, I think John Fox is one of the best coaches in the league. Adam Gase is an up-and-coming offensive coordinator. I think he's terrific. Even though, you know, to be an offensive coordinator for Peyton Manning – 
what you really want to do is, you know, stand on the sideline and smoke a cigar as Peyton does his thing. <laughs> smoke a victory cigar like Red Auerbach. But it, it's it's tremendous. I mean, Peyton is a, he's the offensive coordinator. He's the quarterback. He can stop practice. We've seen him do that. He's the only player I've ever seen uh, who can actually stop practice and say, hey, let's get this right. Uh, coaches do that all the time, of course, but Peyton, Peyton has the uh, latitude to do it. They're good. Uh, the Ravens are interesting, and, and again, with that division now, I don't know what the division's going to be. Pittsburgh, They're all winless right well, now, well, by P- the way. Well, right Pittsburgh's now. messed up. We know that, and that was an upset the other day, obviously, and now they've got the injuries to, to contend with as well. Cincinnati could have won the game in Chicago. Who knows? It's still a pretty good team. Cleveland losing at home to Miami. Again, Cleveland doesn't figure to win that division. So somebody has to win the AFC North. Yes, they do. They have to. And, you know, Cleveland goes to Baltimore this weekend, so the Ravens should win that game. Uh, and then I think they have the home game that follows that. Against the Texans. Against the Texans. Ray well, Lewis's number gets retired, and Ed Reed most likely will be in the house r- that day. Right. That'll be very, very interesting. They're still good. I mean, they're, they're extremely well coached. It's a great organization. Ozzie Newsom has done a magnificent job. They have their problems. Every team has its problems. Rich, you know that at this point. A couple of guys get hurt. You move these guys in and out. You know, the secondary now banged up. They lose Jacoby Jones on a freak play. That, of course, is not going to help them. Uh, but I think, you know, they, they let Bolden go, and we know what he did for San Francisco on Sunday. But I can sort of understand that. They had to, you know, work that salary cap. Flacco gets the big contract. You got Jones. You have Torrey Smith. You know, before when Bolden goes, you think you have Pitta as the tight end. Right. And now you don't. Maybe you'll get him back at the end of the season. Um, there are some issues in Baltimore. But, you know, last year, and this is the NFL, everybody says, oh, you know, you've got to be hot at the end of the year going into the playoffs. They lost four out of five. People forget. The Baltimore Ravens lost four of their last five games. Now, they were 9-2. and two. They had some cushion, but they lost four out of five. And then they go into the playoffs, and they knock off Indianapolis at home. The miracle win in Denver. The, 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 the game in New England was shocking in the sense that they dominated in the second half. And then the Super Bowl can go either way. So you need, you need some breaks. You need some luck. You need some good things to happen for you. So, I mean, to me, Baltimore right now is a, is a mystery team, but they're very good. And then comes Sunday night. You mentioned how you saw Peyton once throw six picks and almost win. There's Eli. He didn't throw six picks. His team turned it over six times, and it, the sixth one was the one that finally put the nail in the coffin. The first three possessions were turnovers for the Giants. Right. And were you in as – a bigger state of disbelief as as the rest of us up well, there in the booth with Chris. Yeah, I mean, n- nobody figures that anybody's going to turn the ball over on three consecutive possessions, much much less have your first pass of the season within five seconds wind up in DeMarcus Ware's hands. So it was a terrible start for the Giants. But then again, uh, Dallas had three takeaways and had a 3 nothing lead. That's so right. <laughs> I think I said something about the, the Giants must feel as if they won you know, a, a small share of the lottery right now because you should be down 17 to nothing uh, or something of that order. And then they're only down 3 nothing. They're hanging in there. At halftime, it looks like, oh, you know, Tony Romo's not going to come back. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Now Kyle Orton's going to have to take over in the second half. The Giants have some momentum. Tony comes back. Next thing you know, it's 27-10. to 10. Now Dallas is out in front. It's a, it's a, a, a walkover. Cruz gets loose, Giants get back in the game, and of course they, they even had the ball in a position 
where a, a touchdown drive would have given them the lead at the end of the game, and then you have the interception. And, and again, it's all of these things that happen that you can't predict. I mean, the Giants figured in the offseason, okay, David Wilson is ready to be our number no one guy. Question. We'll have we'll, we'll have Andre Brown as the backup guy. Maybe we'll have a third back. We don't know. So Bradshaw goes to Indianapolis. Wilson does what he does. He fumbles twice. He has to come out of the game. Darrell Scotto makes the team barely at the end, partially because of the Andre Brown interview. He, you know, he's not ready for prime time. Doesn't turn around uh, at, at the point he should have. That's why the Manning throws the interception. So all of this crazy stuff happens. But this is why we love football. Here, we sit here and we think about a game and we think about you know. 64 plays. Somebody says, well, you know, the game would have turned on this. I said, excuse me? Excuse me. Every game turns on about 60 different plays, and that, that was one on Sunday night in Dallas. So so the question is, is I know Tom Coughlin has his rules, and he's you can't keep putting some guy in when he's fumbling, but this is this is a big game against a huge division rival, and clearly the young man, uh, Scott, um, I guess this could have been his moment. And I know Chris thought, you know, Eli did throw the ball his way towards the end and, and thought the running back needed to be in better position and expect it better. Mm-hmm. But do you, uh, part of me was thinking, how come, why not put Wilson back in the game? I mean, if you got 16, 15 more games after this one, and this one's crucial, you got to see if he's going to maybe turn it around. Well, maybe, but. You, know, I, I, you have to trust Tom Coughlin's judgment. I think he's I've covered him for years and years. And yes. he's, he's up near the very top of my list. He's, he's very good on every level, the way he runs the team. I think his, uh, his uh, clock strategy in the last uh, four minutes of a game is the best I've seen, and I've covered this now for 28 years. I think Tom works the clock better than any, any coach I've seen. He gets everything. Tom's on top, of, uh, on top of everything. He knows better than anybody. I don't know. You know, it's part of the thing is the guy has fumbled twice. He is distraught. He's on the sideline. He he doesn't even probably doesn't even know where he is at that point. So who knows? I mean, they yeah. Coughlin's right. I mean, they're invested in David Wilson. He's got to be a guy who has to 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 step up for them. I mean, what are they going to do? Go get Brandon Jacobs or Willis McGahee or whoever they're going to work out. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing right now. But but those guys, you know, why don't you go back and get Alex Webster or you know Frank? Maybe call Frank Gifford. Frank <laughs> Frank can come back and carry the ball a couple of times. <laughs> so you can't. I mean, you can't keep going back in time. You got to find somebody. Who knows? Maybe there's a free agent out there. You don't know. Somebody could emerge. But I think in Tom's mind, he's got to try to get Wilson right. Because that's that's too important to that team right now. Now you have, as you mentioned, uh, twenty eight years, right? You've been this will be twenty eight on uh, prime time, twenty Monday and eight Sunday. So uh, you've you've had uh, uh, different networks, different people you're calling uh, in the booth. I've got a, a sort of um, uh, blast from the past for you right here, calling in right now to surprise you. Is no. the is is the caller there? Is the caller there? Bino, it's me, OJ. <laughs> you know what? This is the only time. <laughs> it's the loose. Al, slow down. Al's whipping us up the freeway here. I'm on cell phone. How are you? Hey, listen. You don't call me at home. You don't call. You don't write. You never send me flowers. The only time I talk to you is like in a three-way situation here. Venus, you know I love you. I'm just a broken individual. I'm not exactly Gabby, Gabby Hardnett about the social things. But you know I love you. For God's sakes, I miss you immensely. I know, and you love Rich's podcast. We were thinking about Dennis the other night. This yes, was we great. Were. We so, were. so Dennis comes, and he's with us in 2000 with Don Olmeyer and the whole thing. And uh-huh. 
you know, to me, if I make a mistake, I'm ready to jump out of the, the, the building, right? So Dennis, it, it took Dennis a little while to get up to speed here with, you know, Steve Hurt and the Elias Sports Bureau and all the great information that we have that's been researched, that's been picked over with a fine-tooth comb. Dennis would come in with Pro Football Weekly and go to the Whispers page for his information. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, you know, I went over to Steve Hurt and he would say, listen, I, uh, I have a uh, view from a weather satellite of Gus Triandos' penis. Right? <laughs> <laughs> a little too much info for me. Maybe I'll go just gossip here. Dude, that's a beautiful thing, though, Dennis. Is, 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 well, I mean, it, it, oh, Venus, did we used to laugh? Do you remember the night that we were on the tarmac in Green Bay and that snowstorm? Indianapolis. <laughs> that was in Indianapolis with Eric Dickerson, remember? Oh, it was E.T. In, in, yeah. Remember, I fed him a Valium. He had never had a pill. Oh, my he God. on the plane. I said, you know, next thing I know, he's like table dancing. He's so out of his mind. Well, I've got, to, I've, we have fun. I've got to call him out here, too. Uh, Eric was on my flight back from Cleveland yep. after the Hall of Fame. Right. I'm going to call him out here. I'm going to call him out. <laughs> Why and, not? Because he sits, he's right across the, the aisle from me right. with a pillow pet. Well, he he sleeps. Eric can sleep. But he, Dennis and I scared him out of his wits that night. <laughs> because we get, on, we get on a charter out of Indianapolis. We're going to fly back to California. And meanwhile, you have thunder and lightning all over the place. And Dennis and I are like insane. Now, we don't, we don't like this stuff. Now, we can't, you know, get enough in us to get us through this. Meanwhile, Eric's fine. He's, ready. he's, he's coming onto the plane. He's loping. On the, you know, he sits down. He's got his pillow. And now Dennis and I are so crazy, we made Eric crazy. He's working on his head. All of a sudden, he's all skitzy. He can't even stay on the plane. So I feed him a Valium. And, you know, the next thing I know, it's like... Uh, He's at Leo LaBianca's house painting the fridge he's because he's never up until. <laughs> Did you make a Christo reference once, Dennis? Oh, yeah. I, used to do, I said to Al once yeah. on there, uh, they were wrapping Chris Carter's ankle. I said, you know, I haven't seen that much fabric used since the environmental artist Christo <laughs> wrapped the Pont Neuf Bridge in Paris. I remember Al hits his sneeze buzz. says, what the f- hey wait a minute i told all my i knew what that was i lived in northern california when Christo was doing all that stuff up in marin county right i knew it but i, I said to don what the hell is this doing on our show <laughs> And then Sylvia Pleth came into it, uh, too. Remember that? The, oh, the, the bell jar gosh. one night. Bino, i got to tell you, man, it was fun to be... Uh, not only was it fun, you're the best who's ever done that job, and to just have two seasons in that booth watching you air traffic control was absolute <laughs> genius. Can I tell you, Rich? Please. At the beginning of those shows... Um, it was beautiful to watch because I think real geniuses are like savants. And, you know, when you think, okay, at the beginning, you're too jacked up. I mean, be, I'd go on. I'd think, my God, I, I'm so nervous here before we'd go on the air. And when we'd do that opening, and Bino would sink into it. And I'd say, man, this cat is as smooth as syrup. I was with him for two seasons. We must have did, what, 32 games. I never saw him ruffled at the beginning. You know, like I said, Bino, it was a thrill, man. I felt like I was... Uh, you know, uh, holding the power for Rembrandt or something, baby. It all worked out, then, because I'm living in a home right now. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, uh, and well, Fouts. you and Christopher are great together. Well, Fouts. Fouts, uh, Fouts, you know, Fouts is in the booth. He's not whipping that right. ducking crap out of No. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know what I had for Thanksgiving last year? I had a tur- uh, uh, turducken Christie, which is a turkey inside a duck inside a chicken inside Chris Christie. <laughs> 
Oh man, you got to come back for a little uh, riff. I'm telling you. Well, I got to stick. My, is George? Uh, is George and Kelly? Still George, back? And my same crew is there. I've had I've had my same statistician for going back to college football years. Yeah. Thirty some odd years. Malibu Kelly Hayes, who moved to Aspen about 25 years ago. <laughs> Lovely cat. My, my God, sp- those boys were good guys. Oh and yeah. What happened to those skinny Vinny guys? He's still there. still there. Still there. Our man Friday. <laughs> Vinny Rayo. Vinny Rayo works on our crew and. I can't even tell you what he does, but you know what? When something happens and needs to be fixed, Vinny's the fixer. He's the glue guy. He, he's fat Sanders, he's, he, And the greatest thing, you know, there are people who get things done, and then they want to tell everybody for the next year, hey, do you know what I did? Here's how the sausage got made. Vinny, all of a sudden, can, can no matter what the problem is, he fixes it. And, and, and I, I go to Vinny and I go, how'd you do that? I'm more interested. But he, you know, he won't say anything. No, Vinny did Hoffa. You didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> did you have, did, Dennis, did you have anybody in the booth with you? At, well, I had right Al. Uh, Al and Fauci treated me like uh, princes, man. Because, you know, I mean, listen, I, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm, not, you know, I'm not one of these guys who pause the ground and apologize for being on Monday Night Football. I had a great time there and thought I did a good job. You did. But- I, I know half the country didn't like it, but they, what the hell? I've always been at the mean line as far as approval, disapproval. And when Madden wants your job, they better give your job to them, or, you know, they're going to get whacked. It's, it's, conversely, if I'm ever in L.A. on any given night and I want to work material out at the improv and I go in and Madden's on stage, they better haul his fat ass off. <laughs> That's the way the world works. But uh, i I got to say this. The guy's treated me like princes, man. Now, Fauci's sitting there with a big honking Hall of Fame ring the size of an iceberg. Al's the best who ever did it, for God's sakes. You're in between, and they're treating you like a, a peer, helping you along. So I always felt covered, baby. I didn't need any man Friday. I had the the best guys uh, doing it. And, you know, Fauci, Al, I don't know about you. Fauci's kicking ass and taking names now with Ian Eagle. Right. Have you seen him lately? Or I saw. Him? I saw him in Cannes at the uh, at the Hall of Fame game. God, uh, Dan, I love Dan. Pure. Dan. Dan so Fouts. And and Dennis will tell you too. I mean, I, we've been around a lot of key people in our lives, guys who are big. Dan Fouts is the last guy in the world who would ever tell you what he did. Yeah. He's phenomenal. He's got a wonderful sense of humor. He's got a bright outlook. We just love Fouts. Well, but, I remember one night Sarah Goosa picked me up because I had torn him a new one. Uh, and trust me, he had to have three maps to find the new one to tear on Goose. <laughs> but he picked me up and he was going to do that thing where he drops your head onto the thing and he, you know, just scaring me on the field before the game. And he got a little too close to the field. He didn't hit my head. But, you know, if he had hit my head, honest yeah. to God, I'd be Stephen Hawking around right now. <laughs> I remember Founcey came up and jumped him, man. <laughs> He said, what are you being a jerk-off for? You know, it was, it was very cool. Uh, Fouts was a mensch, man. And uh, you could tell they all respected him. They all knew who the man was. Well, the bottom line, too, Dennis, is you know your ball, as uh, fans and uh, listeners of this podcast uh, can attest. And before I let you go, I, I want to give you the stage on, your, on the Steelers. I know you're a Pittsburgh guy, um, and Steelers Nation right now is wringing its hands, to say the least. What what was your take on what we what you saw out of the Steelers' home loss to open well, the season? Everybody's got to reboot once in a while, you know. The, the, I, I I think Tomlin, next to Belichick, uh, you know, is the best coach in the business. I love Tomlin; he'll get it back. But nobody just goes time after time after time. Now, I mean, they've lost some heavy hitters there, and I think they probably expected a more out of, out of the the running back who split the scenery. Uh, they got to reboot with a kid running back, right? And once you lose Pouncey, man, that's tough because he's making all those line calls. So I can see where they got sucker punched. Honest to God, if you had said to me out of the 22 guys on that field after Roethlisberger, who could who would send a chill down the bench 
more, it's probably Pouncey, right? That, I mean, there's no question. Yeah. So now that they've lost him, uh, like I said, they'll get back. I don't think they're going more than eight and eight this year, but they'll max it out at eight and eight because uh, you know uh, the coach is a complete mensch, and uh, they'll be back down the road again because they understand football and all the weirdness that goes football goes through the stages and all this. At some point, somebody realizes. I think Jimmy Harbaugh's the guy now, and he has that you hit hard. And if you hit hard, it's like Rocky Marciano just pounding your belly for eight rounds. They eventually begin to drop their hands, and that's what happens. You know, the great thing about Dennis is Pro Football Weekly doesn't even exist anymore, so that information could not have come out of whispers. It's a no, no. Then do, then do where, where, where are you getting the info from these days? I'm What's, on no? the road doing gin game with Howard Bolzer. <laughs> 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 and Jessica Tandy? Yeah, is well, she there, too? It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, our understudy for both of us, but Bolzer never fails to bring a tear to my eye. <laughs> well, you're, yeah. heading, you're heading to Packers country. The Grand Theater in Wausau, Wisconsin, September 20th, and then the Riverside Theater in Milwaukee on September 21st. So, And nothing is out of bonds in my act, and if it is, Clay Matthews will hit it. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis, thanks for calling hey, Den, in. I, hey, Den, I love you, brother. Hey, Den, one, one thing I just love more than anything else, I love when you call O'Reilly Billy. I just crack up every time. <laughs> Venus, you're the best, baby. I uh, love you. All right, call me as we have some dinner one of these nights. Come on. Later, Gator. All right, babe. That's Dennis Miller. Everybody, that so I figured I'd give you a little. Uh, there we blast go. From your past blast right from there. the past. There I we go. The gin game with Howard with Balzer. Howard Balzer. He, st- he, oh, o- he always Lord. loved Dan Pompey too. He just loved the name. So Dan was in. Uh, <laughs> got the Writers Award at the at the Hall of Fame ceremony this year too. And uh, you know, Dennis. That's right. Dennis would know. He'd know everybody. Everybody. He'd find. You know, he knew who the uh, the, the backup uh, associate sports editor in Sheridan, Wyoming, would be if he'd written something about. About Dennis, but uh, I tell you, we had. <laughs> uh, I'm doing a book. I'm in the process of doing it, and hopefully, we'll get it done by next year. And went through uh, John Wertheim's working with me in a, from Sports Illustrated, and we started to talk about the uh, the two years with Dennis. And I mean, that took about four hours to, oh, to get through those stories. Uh, it's uh, just phenomenal. I love that Olmeyer is is the arbiter of what is in bounds or out of bounds as as artwork cuz oh he he is an artist. I mean I've actually yeah. been to an art show of right. his and uh, I just love that. That's that's fun exactly. inside television stuff that you don't know that goes inside on. TV and Don of course would smoke a, a million cigarettes a night and no smoking was allowed in the truck so <laughs> half the time Don would be out of the truck you know and then he'd come back in and oh, what what happened now there I got to get this cleaned up. So um but but Dennis's Dennis's greatest moment, I thought, we're doing that wild Jets Miami game in the Meadowlands in uh, 2000. It's the game where Miami has this huge lead and the Jets have it and they look horrible and half the crowd's left. It's the fourth quarter and Vinny Testaverde rallies them and now it's tied at 31. All of a sudden, wow! The crowd's now coming back in. Jay Fiedler leads Miami down the field with about a minute to go. Miami retakes the lead, but here come the Jets. And regulation ends, or close to regulation ends, with Testaverde throwing a tackle eligible to Jumbo Elliott, mm-hmm. which would tie the game. Jets would win in overtime. So I'm, an, I'm calling the uh, the play, and I go, again, Testaverde back to pass. It's Jumbo Elliott for a touchdown. Jumbo Elliott, the tackle, the tackle eligible. He's been in the league for 10 years. It's his first touchdown. It's his first catch. And Dennis goes, 
couldn't keep down forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about Dennis. Just a different take. His mind works in a different plane as most other human beings. And I remember that. That was the off night of the Subway Series between the Mets and the Yankees. Exactly. And that town was lit mm-hmm. up because mm-hmm. everyone was in town right. for the World Series. And New right. Yorkers had been dreaming of that moment. And the Monday night football game, in a way, was it's right. so rare that a Jet-Dolphin game would be an afterthought in any way, shape, or form. And it turned out to be, in many ways, part of the entire week's extravaganza. I remember well, that. But, but everybody went to sleep, of course. Of course. Yeah. We went back to the hotel. That game ended at about one twenty something And we go back to the hotel. And by the time we get back, it's a quarter to three. And who gets into the elevator? Bruce Willis, who I'd never met. And Willis sees us in the in the elevator. Hey, he said, "Well, that game was, that game was crappy." And I said, "Hey, Bruce, do you know what happened?" And he went, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're now informing Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis in, in the elevator. Meanwhile, Schwarzenegger was at that game. Uh, I can't remember the reason. Was he in the booth? With he you? was in the booth. Dennis knew him, so we bring Schwarzenegger into the booth. We interview him with you know Miami leading by at least seventeen points. And Arnold says, oh, I predict the uh, the Jets will win the game, right? So you know, why not? He's in New York, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, a goofy thing. He, you know, Then he leaves, doesn't even stay for the rest of the game. The next day, I, I, uh, CNN headline news uh, in the sports uh, segment. What leads? Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger called it. <laughs> and they, they show the Schwarzenegger clip. I mean, this is... America today. What can I tell you? I, I tell you, we have the audio of his call. You want to want to hear that from the jumbo sure. right yeah, here? Yeah, of course. This yeah. is uh, from a top five Jets home. That was Dennis. Dennis yeah. with you there. That, right. That's in Fouts, that's too. Fa- that's Fouts. That's, that's our latex salesman. Yeah, There's our latex salesman. That, come on. I knew that was right. Fouts. So and it, before I do let you go. Uh, you've got a huge game this weekend with right. Seattle and San Francisco. The, right. the sort of 21st century Hatfields and McCoys that are going on right now in the NFC West. It's always a fascinating watch. What do you expect out of this one this time around, Al? Well, last year we had this game toward the end of the year. Seattle uh, won in a round. I remember saying, I think at the beginning of the game, these two teams look in the mirror and see each other because they finished 1-2 in, in points allowed last year, so they had tremendous defenses. You had the emerging quarterbacks. Kaepernick had just taken over uh, a few weeks before in San Francisco, and Russell Wilson had you know, shockingly won the starting job on opening day with Matt Flynn already uh, on, on the bench. So you had these you know, two young, exciting quarterbacks, each team with a really good running back, obviously. Great defenses you know, in Seattle, where the place is always crazy. So you could see this beginning to emerge, especially when Seattle uh, became a very good football team. And the 49ers, you could kind of see them coming along when Harbaugh got there. You know, should have had a chance to get to the Super Bowl two years ago and the muffed punt. And then last year, obviously, could have won the Super Bowl. But uh, so they're they're good, and they're 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 I think getting getting even better. I mean, you bring Anquan Bolden in, even though Crabtree's hurt. So San Francisco is a not only a good team but an exciting team to watch. I mean, there's, sometimes there are teams that are very good, but they're a little vanilla, and uh, they just get it done very mechanically. And then there are teams that can really excite the hell out of you, like the Forty ers And then Seattle is I, I mean Wilson to me is just. 
He's a phenomenal story. A guy at you know five ten comes in. Oh, you can't play quarterback in the NFL five ten. Well, yes you, yes, you can, and you can play it pretty well. He is a a really sharp, smart, bright guy. Gets it. Um, and uh, you know Pete Carroll's done a, a really good job bringing everything together with that team. So this is going to be fun. And you know, anytime you do a game in Seattle, that is such a. a, a home court advantage no doubt home ice if it's cold enough yes so whatever you want to call it but uh, to play in that stadium that's a that's a very difficult thing for the opposition i think seattle was uh, i think seattle won every home game last year they did russell wilson did not lose in that building the 12th right. man certainly helped him out um what is your super bowl pick do you have one it's worthless. You know. No, I know that, but people you, you like do, it. I people know they love, they love it, and they, but then, then they go, oh, this moron. Here's what I know. Please. I know what I don't know. <laughs> okay? You do not know who's making Look, the I'm, Super Bowl. I'm a day trader, so people say, what do you, who do you, what do you like for the stock and the whole thing? And I go, you got to understand something. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to any of the supposed experts. They know nothing. When a guy tells you on CNBC, you know, he's a hedge fund guy, whatever it is, got to buy this stock. You know what he's saying? I have this in inventory. You walk into a restaurant, and the waiter says, my favorite is, my favorite is. I don't care what your favorite is. And his favorite is always what they have the most of that night, and they're trying to get rid of in the kitchen. So I've learned there are no experts in anything. Uh, Having said that... Isn't that a that's a curb that's a curb bit, yes, right? Having said you know that, what? Having he, said that. This, right. this is the biggest joke of all. Somebody says to me in a restaurant... In, 19, in like the summer of 1999, who do you like in the NFL this year, in the NFC in particular? So I'm just, as a joke, as a joke, I said, ah, the Rams. Well, the Rams had been 4-12 and 12 the year before. And preseason, of course, starts, and Trent Green gets hurt, and who's this other guy coming into play? Right. Quarterback guy named Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner used to play running back at Seattle. That Kurt Warner? No, no, this is a different Kurt Warner. Right. So we all, we all know what happened. So, of course, I don't go to that restaurant. There was Granita in Malibu, the Wolfgang Putt place. But I go back in there, like, in February, and the waiter is, like, in the parking lot waiting for me to get out of the car. Wow! That's amazing! You know, <laughs> da, 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 the whole thing. You get, boom, boom. I'm going, what? You, you have to understand. He had to have gambled I'm jerking around it. here. Right. I, well, I'm saying he thinks I knew because I'm jerking around going Rams. So my picks this year would be, how about... The Raiders yes. against the Browns in the AFC Championship game. Good for you. Okay. Uh, taking on the... Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, who do you, I like? you clearly have to go Carolina against well, yeah. maybe Arizona, uh, with all due respect. No, Arizona's, I think Arizona's there pretty go. good. Okay. But, uh, I see what your point is here. Cam- By the way, this is just, a much just, better answer than you saying, I'm going to take Denver and San Francisco. Of course. That's a much better... I, I, I like this answer better. Before I let you go, King season. When does, when does the puck drop there? Pretty soon. In fact, the Kings uh, open up in early October, a couple of games on the road, and then we have a Monday night home opener against the New York Rangers. Oh. So when the Kings won the Stanley Cup two years ago and the schedule came out, I was so excited because right. they were going to play the Rangers in the opening game at Staples Center and uh, you know the banners going to be dropped and all of that. And then, of course, they had the lockout. So the season didn't start until late January, uh, and they opened up against the Blackhawks on a on a Saturday afternoon. But um, I love hockey. I mean, hockey's just the best. Yeah, I know. Is that, is that the only – is that the only – team that that you're a fan that you go and you are a fan of after what you've done in your entire career i would say yeah you know what as the only thing it's it's the only thing that really kind of takes me back to my childhood because you know i don't announce hockey uh so i i have no vested interest and nobody can say oh he's look he's rooting for that team or this team 
And we've had season tickets to the Kings for 20 years. And I watched a lot of very mediocre hockey with the Kings through the years. But I love the sport, and I go with my son a lot. My wife loves the sport. So we, we, just, enjoy, we just enjoy hockey. And then to sit through all of those years of just mediocre hockey, not making the playoffs very often, getting bounced out in the first round. And then the Kings had that insanely magical run two years ago. I've never seen anything like it in sports. You get in as the eighth seed, the last seed, even though – Three, seven, and eight were all together in that in the division. So the Kings could have been three. They wound up eight by a couple of points. But once they got in, and then they started killing teams. So all of a sudden, it's like, what happened here? They're routing. They're routing the opposition in every game. They were fifteen and two at one point in the finals, playing Jersey up three zero. And guess who went to that game? Well, Hoping you, to see you the cup. remember you went to that game. The cups in the building. I know. I, I'll tell you, I was never more nervous in my life than when the Kings lost that game. Mm-hmm. Now they go back to Jersey and lose, lose game five. Yeah. Now you come back. Now if you lose game six, you're going back to Jersey to lose game seven. And I said to my son, we, we're sitting through you know, all these, the, these mediocre uh, performances through the years. I said, what would be worse, the 19 years we've invested in this, or if we blow this, situa- if we blow this right now, this is, this is worse. What than was the answer? We agree that if we blew this one, this would be worse. <laughs> worse than the 19 years <laughs> they, they, they took us to the mountaintop, and then we, you know, we were going to fall off into the crevice. Al, you're the best, man. Thank you for coming in, and uh, you know, we wanted to get Dennis on the phone for you too, and we look that forward. Was great. To, I, I would love to have you back. I, I've told you this before. I want to have one where we just talk about everything but. Football sure. of the moment, seriously. I'm with you because I, I, you've got, and that's what your book that's going to come out eventually yep. is all mm-hmm. about. Right, I mean, all of these stories I want to hear. Um, right. So th- Sunday night football coming up. Um, what, what's week three? What are you? Where are you going to? Chicago after? at Pittsburgh. Interesting. Oh, Very. Well, I mean, Ooh, that's a good one. Boy, Pittsburgh is just yeah the sinking ship. Yeah, they take on the Bengals on Monday night. Right. Um, and as you mentioned, the Browns do play the Ravens. So mm-hmm. one of those teams is going to be zero and two. It could be possibly right. even two zero and two. Is Al calling any uh, Lions games anytime soon? Uh, a, for a fan, my man Eminem, my man Eminem. That is the best. That, he I, wants to do a game with you, apparently. Well, he, he, he gave me a real good shout-out in a magazine <laughs> article. I can't tell you exactly what he said, but it was really it was pre- it was pretty cool. <laughs> it was pretty cool, you know, when, when he said something about when he retires, it'll bleeping, you know, suck. Uh, so I knew he was a fan. Yes. And, I mean, I knew he was a fan because of that. I'd, I'd never met him. I'd seen him once at the uh, Grammys with Elton John. It was phenomenal about six years oh, ago. Right. Uh, and, and they did a performance together. But I ran into a couple of nights after this thing came out. I had I had no idea. You know, I heard Eminem was talking about me in an article. I'm going, oh God! You know, you can imagine um, what, what he said. Mm-hmm. So he has this, this, you know, great encomium. I run into one of his. Uh, <laughs> I, I run. I run into one of his uh, managers a couple mm-hmm. of nights later. He said, "Did you see what Eminem said?" I said, "I did." Um, I said, "Are you going to see Eminem anytime soon?" He said, "I'm flying to Detroit tomorrow because we we start a tour." I said, just tell him for me. I thought Eight Mile was better than Gone with the Wind. <laughs> nice. This, did, did Eminem know what Gone with the Wind was? <laughs> well, then, I, I, you know, at, at that <laughs> point, know? at that point, I'm out of the mix. But I have. But he bel- gave you a shout out with Brent. He I gave mean, me a the, shout out the other night. The whole world oh, saw it. I, I got 18 million tweets, and I'm the other guy too who. Uh, I've been on Jimmy Kimmel a bunch of times. Yes. I don't go on it anymore because I left that company. So the <laughs> folks at Disney aren't too thrilled to have me on the Jimmy show. I mean, Jimmy's a great friend. In fact, Jimmy, Jimmy was one of the, the first best. guys to email me the other night with the with the link. 
Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> that's great. And so, but on Jimmy, Jimmy's like second ever show. Who's on the show? Fifty Cent. And Fifty and I wound up being on like three different Kimmel shows over six years, rapping each time. I did not know. Oh, this and song. we did it. We did it. And so one night, you know, uh, Fifty says. Well, what if, what if we did In the Club? And I said, no, no, we're not going to do In the Club. We're going to do In the Club because that's the name of, of, yes. of the song. It's in, I-N-D-A. He, you know, he looks at me, you know, gives me the, you know, the fist bump, the whole thing. So here I am. I'm Eminem's, like, <laughs> one of his favorite announcers. I rap with 50, and I got to read about a guy saying, oh, they like the old school guys. Old school. You know what you can do with your old school? Well, never mind. Oh. <laughs> Old wow. school. It's the new school. It's, it's the number one show right. on television you're, right. you're on right now, Al. Oh, Come on. God. But what yeah, Eminem. Eminem. That's the biggest. You can't Huge. get any, you said tw- You're not on Twitter, are you? you Hell no. But you hear that people are tweeting about Here's it. Here's the deal. Okay. NBC wants all of the announcers to have a Twitter account. Yes. But, of course, fortunately, Costas can run interference for me. Bob has <laughs> Bob has, you know, Bob and I are the only guys with, we, we, we I have a smartphone, he doesn't, but we, Does he still have a flip phone? We, well, we both have stupid phones, right? right. So we have okay. smartphones, right. I have smart. I have a smartphone in one pocket and a stupid phone in the other pocket. It just, it sounds better on the stupid phone. Right. So Costas has no, no interest in this. So fortunately, I, I, when I go in and our guys are saying, hey, no, it's great, it's great for us, I'm going, I said, and one day I said to him, guys, I said, I'm not even that interested in what I think. Why would anybody else be? So they haven't bothered me since then. Al, thank you so much for coming okay, on. Rich, you are the best, Linda. Please tell her I said hello. And uh, congratulations to you, new you. daddy. This thank is you. fantastic. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Three and out. Um, it's three and out. Three and done. Well, when you you know you go two one, that's. That's pretty that's good. It, that's, that's, if you that's, go three nothing, it's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? That would have been a, a, a much different story. So right. uh, Al will uh, look forward to seeing you Sunday night. Watch uh, Sunday night football if you already are obviously going to. But anyway, I'd like to promote uh, Sunday night football. Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, Seattle hosting San Francisco. We can't wait to have you back, my brother. That's Al Michaels on the Rich Eisen podcast. All time great, right there. No question about it. That I mean, he's got. He has been there and done that on everything. Only play-by-play announcer or host to cover the Super Bowl, World Series, NBA Finals, or Stanley Cup Finals. And I mean, the Olympics. And the Olympics. And, and also, I mean, everybody knows him. Eminem's giving him shout-outs in the booth. Bruce Willis is running into him. him. How about that? Bruce Willis, he runs into Bruce Willis. It's He's amazing. playing Paul Revere with Bruce Willis. By the, you missed the end of the game, Bruce. Well, he calls the game, lets everybody know in real time what's happening from coast to coast. And then later on, he's telling John McClain what happened. <laughs> in right? an elevator. In an elevator. Oh. Everybody, I mean, everybody. He's been on Stern. Howard Stern, who knows nothing about sports, as John Hine essentially said. Stern has him on. He's truly one of a kind. Like Dennis Miller said, greatest of all time. He is. And Dennis Miller. Oh, I mean. <laughs> hey, Al, this is, it's OJ. I got AC on my side. <laughs> that was incredible. Because he, he had no idea how I was going to set him up. And yeah, I just, no. is the caller there? I figured, let him go. And perfect. That's, that's the best thing you can do for Dennis is to just free the man into the wild and see what happens. I, I mean, I think we're all. I mean, I know you guys will ask me here. We're all relatively quick though, and we can pick up stuff. But Dennis just operates at a different level. Yeah, different level. And, like you have to rethink about what he said, Absolutely. then you get the joke, and then when you get it, it's that much more funny. And well, and it's the moment he, is passed. He was just by too smart for the most of the Monday Night Football. Well, like, well, I, I've I, said it on here before. I loved when he was on Monday Night oh, Football. Oh, it was great. Loved well, it. the gin game. You, you, you. I 
don't get that. It was went way over your head. That was I, I, yeah, you, I you, you a, looked at each other. We're like, I had a very huh? clueless look on my face at that reference. The gin game is an is an old school uh, two act play and a two person play uh, from the mid seventies. It opened in the mid seventies, and it was it was Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin. Okay, Hume Cronin was just so you know was one of the uh, the Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy. You'd know them from Cocoon, right? Ah. They're married. Jessica Tandy was Miss Daisy of Driving Miss Daisy. Daisy. Okay, yeah. so and Hume Cronin was they they were a married couple and actors, famous actors, and they played is the gin game on Broadway. So to say that he's been doing the gin game with Howard Balzer <laughs> is absolute freaking spot on genius. I mean, that is I mean, just he had me. He had me at OJ at the start of that <laughs> interview. <laughs> Oh my lord! Uh, and and Al saying that he got all of these emails and te- that Jimmy Kimmel was the one who emailed, who emailed him. him the link who, to but, Eminem. Who, by the way, had one of the greatest pranks ever just oh, announced, revealed yesterday. Sure you, yeah, with the girl, the twerking the, girl on yeah, fire, the twerking fail that went that went everywhere. Crazy. Ten million views. He set it up and apparently didn't. Tweet about it. Nope. Didn't do it. Just put it in YouTube. So it's, as you said, set it into the wild. Under her right. name. Like under her, not under a Kimmel yep. show name or anything. And just... then to then show the video in completion, the last few seconds of him <laughs> walking in to douse her. <laughs> and, she's a, genius. and she's a Hollywood stunt woman and does all this stuff all the time. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it when I saw that. So Kimmel was the first one to... Uh, let Al Michaels know about the M&M stuff at halftime. Right. And uh, you just sent me an email, Law. Did, did you have someone on the phone who was at the Notre Dame-Michigan game? I got boots on the ground, Michigan versus Notre Dame. A guy you'll, you'll like that's on the phone. Okay. Is that Steve Hutchinson? It is. It is, Rich. How you doing? Hutch! You were at the, you were at the Notre Dame-Michigan game? Absolutely, but still in Ann Arbor right now, actually. Um, my uh, My second... Uh, Michigan football game as a spectator, spectator ever, you know. No um, kidding. Yeah. So, so you're still in Ann Arbor right now? I am. I am. There's um, I, uh, I took a little uh, road trip in the RV over to Ann Arbor, just <laughs> a tailgating experience for the Notre Dame game, spending the week uh, in the area, and uh, then coming uh, coming back this weekend for uh, they they host Akron at home here this, this upcoming Saturday. So you were part of the whole tradition return for for this Saturday. Like, did Hoke say? Come on up! It's a big, big game. Or did you call Hoke and say I'm coming? How did that? How did that go down? I don't know. Well, you know, we were here um, in May, we, like we are every year for our, our, the golf tournament. The Greasy uh, Hutchinson, yeah, yeah, Woodson. So I was uh, we're talking about my being newly retired and wanting to come to a couple games, and was looking at the schedule and saw you know Notre Dame under the lights, and then followed by a, a home game the next weekend. So I decided to kind of make it a, a package deal. And, um, so, um, yeah, I, it, it, looking forward to it a long time. I've been having a great time seeing a lot of guys i played with. And, uh, it's been fun. So where was the number 76 jersey that somebody was wearing in your honor? Was somebody doing that? Uh, not yet. You know, hopefully one day, maybe. You never know. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a cool tradition they started here. Uh, I like that. I yeah, like that. It's, uh, it's hard to retire numbers anymore. and. Um, there's a, you know, a lot of guys, the numbers are, you know, should be retired and, and, but with, you know, 110 guys on a roster in a college, uh, on most college uh, teams now, you know, you, you, numbers one through 99, you, you double up so much, you, you <laughs> really you can't really do it anymore with the retirement. 
So what was it like? It looked ridiculous on television. Oh, it was crazy. It was crazy. You know, and, and the, the, thing is, the thing is, is the halftime show was unbelievable. They, they turned all the lights off. Beyonce came on the Jumbotron, and they did like the band did a Beyonce, and they turned all the lights off, and all the students, and they must have gave out like lighted wristbands, and it was crazy. It was like, it looked like Epcot. I mean, with a laser show. And, um, you know, I, I really can't compare it to any other halftime shows because, to be honest with you, I've never really seen a halftime show. I've always been in the locker room. But, um, <laughs> something I, I take, imagine, something I, we take I for granted. It was, pretty, it was pretty good compared to most other ones. So uh, while you were watching that remarkable halftime show, the rest of the country was being captivated by Eminem <laughs> in the booth with Brent Musburger you know and Kirk Kerbstreet. I Kirk didn't Street. see that. I've heard about it. I mean, I saw it on Twitter, uh, all the comments on it. I, I heard that was a pretty... It was about as awkward as it gets. It, uh, y- yes, that is correct. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, it's funny. Sometimes uh, sometimes they bring um, in the booths, you know, for both college, and, and, and I know they do it sometimes on the Sunday night game or, thir- you know, on Monday night game, but they'll bring a, a celebrity that's non, non-sports related into the booth. And sometimes there's a little awkwardness because maybe that person isn't the biggest football fan and kind of gets lost in, in, in the conversation. But um, from what I understand, it was – it was, it was kind of beyond, it was kind of beyond that. It was like the next next level of awkwardness. So uh, again, this is uh, this is set, this is a nice surprise. I like this uh, uh, seven time Pro Bowler uh, and future Hall of Famer. I'm going to say it. You don't have to say anything, Steve. Uh, one of my favorite people that I've met through the business, Steve Hutchinson, on uh, the Rich Eisen podcast right here, and um, you and your lovely wife Landon are, are have essentially in your first full year without football. You 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 got an RV? Is that is that the is that a true story? Right. Yeah, we did the we did the uh, we we did the Griswold deal this uh, this summer. We we spent a, a month out out west in it and did the Yellowstone and um, with your kids. Yeah, with the kids and, and went out there in Yellowstone and Park City, Utah, and all parts of Colorado and and um, it was fun. It was a blast. How old are the kids, How old are your kids? My daughter's nine. My son's six. So they're at the you know perfect age and. They're at the age where we're, they're not sick of us yet, and uh, we can kind of take them. And, and but uh, you know they're not really involved with the social scene yet, and and all that. So it's, it's fun because I remember doing some of those trips when I was younger, and, and, and I really you know it stuck with me. So um, I, I want to be able to do that for them. So it's, it's it's been fun. It's been nice. It's been nice having the time off. You know, I, I tell everybody this is the first. That was the first August I've had basically to myself since I was in eighth grade, and uh, to be able to just kind of have a full summer was awesome. Wow. So did you see what your 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 last team, uh, not many people associate you with the Titans, obviously right. Seahawks and, and Vikings, but did you see what the Titans did in, in, in Pittsburgh? That was a yeah, absolute was week one surprise. I mean, that's, a, that's a hard place to play, and uh, that's always a hard team. You know, um, you know, I was with Mike Tomlin for a year in, um, in, in, in um, Minnesota, our first year as defense coordinator, and then he took the job. So I know what Mike's about. You know, he's, he's got a He's got a, a hard-nosed approach, and, and, and rightfully so, in, in Steel City, and, and you know he'll he'll get them playing good football. But um, yeah, it's it's you know anytime you you can go in there and help hold you know them to no touchdowns offensively, no scores really. Uh, well, I guess they uh, they got one at the end there, um, but but yeah, to come out of there sixteen nine or, or whatever, that's that's good to open up on the road. What does it say about you though, Steve, that you leave Minnesota and Adrian goes on a two thousand yard season? I mean, let's what? let's really let's really get to the brass tacks right here. I mean, think about it. You know, he had that was that was awesome to see. I mean, I could I know, um, I know, 
what the kind of person Adrian is and, and the kind of competitor he is. And, and I knew he was going to come last year, and, and I had no doubt in my mind that he was going to come back from that injury, even though a lot of people saying you can't. You know, how you, how you going to make up the speed for having an injury like that. He was going to go, you know, through hell or high water to, to show people that he, he was going to, you know, be better than I ever, and obviously he did. He's a special player, so it wasn't that surprising. No, no, I just thought it was, you know, maybe you, you were the one who was sort of holding him back from uh Yeah, I mean, that, from that, that very well could be. I mean, you know, I've, <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've been known to hold running backs back in their careers. Yeah, so. Sean Alexander, perfect yeah. example. Perfect right, example. Right, huh? I, I, oh, no, wait a minute. He won MVP oh, rushing yeah. behind you. That's my bad. That's true. He did do that. Which, by the way, uh, Adrian went uh, six for six last year in running against his division opponents, 100-yard gains. Last person to do that was Sean Alexander behind right. uh, behind my man on the phone right here. 2005, yeah, 2005. So now uh, I want to bring people up to speed here. Uh, preview, uh, earlier on this podcast, Larry Fitzgerald, when I asked him, if he could appear in any television show, he said Boardwalk Empire. Great answer. And he said that he would come on the show and be the podcast's official reviewer of Boardwalk Empire. Now, last right. time I saw you, Hutch, was on the aircraft carrier, the USS Midway, for the Madden flag football game that, that we were uh, there. And um, you told me that you would be more than willing to come on this show at one point and be the official reviewer of a certain show. And what, what show would that be? That would be uh, Downton Abbey. <laughs> yes. And for those of you who do not watch it out there and think we're crazy for watching a show on PBS or whatever channel. They didn't know it's PBS, yeah. yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, don't, don't, don't mock it until you try it. Great show. One of the best shows out there. Uh, right up there with Breaking Bad for me. I, you know what? Uh, I, I'm, I'm hearing you on that. What is this show about? Breaking what? Downton Abbey or yeah. Breaking Bad? No, Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey is about um, a, a a former um, chemistry teacher who has <laughs> cancer and cooks meth for. Uh, <laughs> no, wait a minute. That's that's Breaking Bad. My bad. I know what Breaking Bad's about. No, go ahead. Explain Down, to him, Hutch. Downton Abbey is takes place. Uh, well, I guess the first episode of the the the, the, the series premiered. Basically, the Titanic had sank. So that'll give you a time. Okay. Frame. Over in in, in in England, and uh, it's about a, uh, a a generational wealthy family um, that uh, a lord and his family that own this gigantic castle, and um, it's really it's kind of it's kind of fun. It's the, the whole show is basically really centered around um, through the through the eyes of the the uh, help staff, I should say, the the the, the butlers and the, the maids that, that live in the in the quarters uh, underneath the, in, in the basement. And, Kind of, and how their inter- their lives are intertwined with the the people of the house, the people who live in the house, and you know, there's a lot of drama and, and you know, different stuff going on. But it's um, it's it's interesting. It's unique. I mean, it's 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 not like anything on TV. It's kind of you know, it's it's not your regular drama uh, on the network channels that they kind of all blend together. This is this is a completely different flavor, and uh, you know, it's like any other show you watch. You you, you kind of start having opinions and have feelings for. Certain characters and, and um, you know and, and stuff happens and it's 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 great it, it's really it's really I gotta you know I'm recommending highly yeah it's it's a full on soap opera is what it right. is with with right. with the lines that that are 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 highly charged lines dramatic lines that finish scenes music swells right 
and then the next scene goes, and then there's a highly charged line at the end of the scene, <laughs> and music swells, and the next scene goes. How many seasons Ma- are we Maggie into this? Smith, right? Maggie uh, Smith. We're getting ready to, uh, this, this winter, we'll, we'll, I think season four will begin. Season four. Okay. So. And we don't want to go too far into it because there are spoilers, there are, and it's, right. it's delicious. There's right. some, there's some, and, and Maggie Smith plays the, uh, the matriarch of the family. Her lines cut straight to the heart of the matter. She basically says whatever's on her mind, and she is right. awesome. Everything in this, in it's, it's delicious, good stuff. She played Wendy in Hook, if you will. Oh if you boy! Hook. Oh my right. well, God! Yeah, she is was... Dame Maggie Smith, and he's like, oh, she played Wendy in well, Hook. I'm trying to relate it to something Brock. Dude, well, Come she on. was also she was more, you know, for for the younger generation, she was also, you know, in in uh, all the Harry Potter movies. There you go. Yep, that's true. No, because Brockman is still clueless. Never but seen Harry The Potter. UK listeners right now are probably rolling on uh, in the tube or wherever they are listening <laughs> to us, Hook listening to great. us talk about this. I can't wait to Robin get lots, Williams, of, lots of UK tweets for not watching this show. Yeah, you are going to get that. But yeah. so, so actually, you know, you know, Rich, I found out that yes, um, the it it, it appears it premieres overseas as it does earlier than it does over here, and I guess if you got uh, the BBC version of it somehow through the pipeline you could actually start a couple months ahead you could and and you know the 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 flip side is is uh game of thrones we get it a few days earlier here right okay so anytime i I haven't gotten into that one well hutch i'm on season two i just got into it only i can i only have so much energy you know and commitment for certain i mean i can't spread myself too thin you know so what are you watching other than breaking bad right now Right now, well, we've been on, like I said, we've been on the road. So You're on much. the road. I really have, um, well, so you, you know, on the so all the Breaking Bads are sitting on the on the Hutch DVR. Oh, no, 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 I have. I'm caught. Well, I didn't watch the one from Sunday night. Oh, Hutch. oh on my DVR and actually in in my uh, in my RV. So I, I, one of these days when I, I have nothing to do for an hour, I'm going to watch it. Kept. So don't talk about it. I, I won't. I will only tell you this: there are many moments in the, in the um, in the show. Including the uh, the last several scenes, where okay. you are filled with a sense of dread. I read uh, one review where somebody said they felt sick to their stomach, and and when it's all over, you will sit there for seconds on end in silence. Okay, I think my wife has watched it. She she couldn't. She she's she's even more of a freak about it than I am. So. I was, you know, normally if, if one of us who can't do anything, we, we, we don't watch until we're sitting together watching it. But she said, I, the hell with you. I, I am <laughs> watching yeah, it. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't, I don't so blame Landon for doing I haven't talked to her really about it. I mean, she hasn't even really mentioned it about So I, I don't know. She's just trying not to be spoiler for, for me. But okay, I, I'm going to watch it here probably tonight. All right, good. So, all right. So we'll hope to speak to you soon. But if not, um, January is when Downton returns. And we'll yeah, have you on as the reviewer. And let's, it, let's, yeah, let's put let's, let's mark it down. Let's have some side put some a pin sort in of it. a regular regular discussion uh, round robin about um, a yes. post post uh, post show. So uh, I have plenty of time to catch uh, up. You have plenty of time to catch up, and it's great. And then and then that's playoff season. We'll get your thoughts on what's going on in the yeah, in the postseason. At that point. Real there quick though, Hutch, before we let you go, can we get your thoughts yeah. on Rich Eisen karaoke? Because oh, that's right, you, he was you there. witnessed some, well, some yeah. karaoke. Yeah. By the way, uh, hold on a minute. You didn't just witness Hutch. You enabled. Is the proper yeah, I wasn't verb? I an enabler. I have to. I have to admit that. Yeah, I enabled. Uh, although, 
Although you you were you were pretty eager to find a, a, a karaoke establishment, <laughs> I don't think anybody was going to. I'm shocked to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, was yeah. And, uh, there was two things about that night: uh, your karaoke and uh, and how adamant Chris was for wanting a Monte Cristo sandwich um, <laughs> at three night. in the morning. <laughs> three in the morning. Yeah, I, I woke up with that entire thing. By the way, not not know, touched in there. You sent me a picture of it on your ironing board. How it ended up on your ironing board. <laughs> I ironed the shirt. No, wait a minute, were you no, or, or you weren't ironing the the, the Monte Cristo I, to warm it up? Probably so. You probably woke up in the morning and remembered that that commercial. I think it was a Holiday Inn Express commercial. Some of the guys ironing his waffle. That's yeah. next level. In the morning, so you probably you probably thought that's the way. To yeah, make up. makeshift panini. Yes, there you go. Why okay. not? <laughs> Hutch, best to Landon. Please tell her I said hi, will you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'll be talking with you guys. Excellent. That's Steve Hutchinson calling us from A Squared, as they would call it, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Great to talk with Hutch right there on the podcast. No, he was great, man. We had such a good time with him down in um, down in San Diego. You were telling me he'd be an all time favorite, and he. Didn't I told disappoint. you when you met met him, he'd be an all time favorite. No, he's great. At Poison Pill seventy six on Twitter, he's a, a great follow. He's a lot of fun, and um, and uh, how great did you hear you, you, that up. when you talk to players when they get out of the game. Clearly, we know that there's some issues that that uh, of getting back into society, right? Assimilating yourself without the sport, without the camaraderie, without people in the locker room, and I don't think he's missing the game one bit. You heard him right there. He got the RV with his wife and two kids, yeah. and he's traveling the like, country, like and the he's girls, DVR like and Breaking Bad, and his in his in his. In his RV. It's, it's crazy, too. You forget, though, he said that was the second Michigan game he's been to as a fan. And first August he's had to himself since the eighth grade. That's and, crazy. And he's never really can't compare that halftime shows to others because he's, he's never, never really seen, seen them. Yeah, you forget about all that. Like, take that for. <laughs> it's pretty pretty great. So let's wrap up with our picks. All right. Um, uh, weekly pick em is uh, the uh, site. You go to nfl.com slash fantasy, click on Weekly Pick'em, and you will see the Rich Eisen podcast group, yep. uh, which I believe is over 5,000 strong. It's up over uh, six, I think, now. Is it really? Uh, I'm sorry, you're, you're correct. 5,155. So you go there, and um, and you could still enter. I mean, you, clearly you're, you're not... Um, you're, you're a little bit behind the eight ball, but you could... Because if you get a certain amount right, you get bonus points. Uh, I can't even count the number of people who went fifteen and one in the group. Crazy! It, it, it fills it up impressive. the entire first page. I went, um, I went eleven and five, and was pretty darn happy about it. Law, you went eleven and five too. I went twelve and four. Actually. Oh, because your Eagles, you, you Eagles. went Homer pick, and, they, and they hit. So you you get and what did you do, Chris Brockman? Uh, nine and seven. That's not very good. Everybody. Let's be very very honest. So uh, law leads just this podcast little mini pod group right uh, right now through week one. Uh, we're going to make all our picks, and you can see them online. You can't really see them online, right? Or you uh, can't you can. see our picks. Yeah, if you go to the experts tab, it has me, you, and Brockman. Can we talk um, about that for a second? How are you so much more tan than us? Yeah, in the pictures. In the pictures. Well, I, remember, uh, that was an issue with Lombardi, because Lombardi was, was pale. He was or, he, or he was orange. He was orange. And then they made him He was pale. orange. I mean, holy smokes. Oh, boy. 
So all of our picks will be able to see? Yep, you can see all okay. the picks on the Experts tab. If you, if you click there, you can actually okay. look at any of the shows. NFL Total Access is doing it. A couple of the other shows, oh, uh, Fantasy Live. Yeah, AM, cool. Game Day Morning, But right now we're just going to go through six of them. How about I choose two games to talk about, you choose two games, Law, and you choose, you choose Perfect. two games, and we'll pick them right here. Sounds good. So you want me to go first? Yeah, let's. I'm going to go Bears-Vikings, because okay. that one's not easy to pick. And Ode to Hutch, too. Yes. Well, the Bears, the Bears um, pulled, pulled one out of their orifice on Sunday. I wouldn't say they looked great. It, they, they, they definitely had issues on offense. Whatever Tressman's cooking up there did not look to be clicking. And A.J. Green, here's the thing. Peanut Tillman, it took him all of five minutes, or no, it took him all of 15 minutes to, to, have his, to, to have his first multiple turnover takeaway game of the year. I mean, he is, now that Erlacher's off the scene, and you know he was the face of the franchise, face of the defense, maybe Peanut Tillman will be disc- talked about as defensive players of the year candidate. And the same goes, by the way, for Cameron Wake down in Miami. Oh, that guy, is, nobody talks that about. That guy was selling mortgages, didn't get drafted. CFL. Went up to the CFL. Cameron Wake is a bona fide defensive player of the year candidate, but I'm, we're going to get to him in a moment. But that matchup with Peanut and AJ on Sunday was AJ Green still ate him up. Still, still, still got ate him everyone for two up. Touches. Still ate him up, and Dalton AJ Green was what, what was working. And then it suddenly, you know, Dalton threw two picks, which you can't have. I mean, if he doesn't turn the ball over, the Bengals are going to be really tough to beat. I agree. That said, the Vikings come in at zero and one. They could go zero and two, and I just have a feeling Adrian Peterson is going to just really Gash. light it up. So I'm going to take the Vikings on the road in this Ooh. one. I'm taking the Vikings on the road in this one to go 1 and 0. I'm not going to go 1 and 1 and the Bears are going to go 1 and 1 too. I'm taking the Bears. Yeah, Rich, you're going to be lone wolf in it here too. I'm I'm going to take the Bears as well. Although I did see on Twitter someone had a great tweet. I forget I forget who it was, but um basically saying our guy my guy, Jay Cutler, is essentially the modern day Jeff George. Slinging it, has a great arm, great player, but just can't not throw the crucial pick at night. Well, and I'm also reading that there was a, a column in the Star Tribune that uh, Leslie Frazier needs to maybe think about going to Matt Castle, and I think I, I don't oh, know how wow. that would be the answer. I don't know how that's the answer. I mean, Ponder has got some serious weapons at his disposal and here. And he's mobile. And he could not find Greg Jennings or Cordero Patterson with any, with any success. I just think, again, Adrian Peterson is going to be fed the football quite a bit and and it's going to be an issue for the Bears, and I, I just like the Vikings to to even their record. All right, I'm so going to go one and one just for contrarian's sake, right there. And then um, my other game that I want to talk about with you guys, um, you know, let's uh, let's let's pick that 49er Seahawks game. One of you guys is going to do it. Let's choose it. Who wants to choose? Who wants to choose the 49ers in this one? Anybody? <sighs> Anybody? They, they looked real. I'm not going to, but they looked fantastic against. Well, Kaepernick didn't run it. We talked about that earlier. He didn't run it. On game day morning, Kurt Warner wanted to see him stand back there and well, be a pocket passer. And Kurt had, Boy, did he ever. Too. So uh, I'm going to – I just think the 12th man's going to take it down. <laughs> Me too. And and they're not going to perform as poorly as they did on man, offense I almost as they did in Carolina. pick up a game here and take the Niners, but i, I got to stay with the Seahawks okay. too. Those are my two games. Uh, I'm uh, I, I'm already somewhat regretting my Vikings pick. You guys are making me regret it, but the Bears just didn't look to me like um, they just didn't look to me very crisp. Yeah, 
They didn't look to me very crisp at all. Well, the Vikings, though, I mean, their running game was hurt. And let's not forget the Indomitian Sioux penalty. I mean, that game would have been a much, not, not as close of a game had Indomitian Sioux's penalty not happened and that return uh, counted, too. So I, I like the Bears. Okay. You want to go next, Brockman, or you want me to pick two? Sure, I'll go. Uh, I like, um, let's talk about Carolina and Buffalo. I like that. I was going to pick that one. Buffalo, EJ Manuel, I think they got something up there. They really, they, I mean, they should have beat New England. And uh, I like Buffalo at home this week. Well, I got to keep my Cam Newton guy on 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 Your the MVP quest for the MVP. Uh, so I'm taking the Panthers. In the this lowest one. passing, lowest uh, total yardage of his career. In I don't one. know what is going on with them. I do not know what is going on with them. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I know Seattle's got a very good defense. No. But but Steve Smith is still a, a playmaker, and D'Angelo Williams can run it. D'Angelo got 90, I think, right? Greg, Greg Olson also was I, – I don't. they just couldn't score. Couldn't score. They couldn't put points on the board. That's a tough defense. And I, I, th- I like the, the Bills' defense. Mike Pettin, the defensive coordinator there, everyone was talking about who wasn't healthy and who wasn't playing. And they, they, they were all over Tom Brady. Got to him. Exactly. They were all over Tom Brady. And as I said earlier in the podcast, the, the Patriots are missing a weapon. Inside the well, red and zone. Now there's Matt. the report that Amendola may not play. Most likely no won't Brock, play Thursday. No so, so I'm taking the Bills in this one. Ugh. I'm ne- taking the Bills in this one. My Go. next game. This ought to be really interesting. Couple of one and zero teams. Dallas at Kansas City. To both my games. I'm taking Kansas City in this one. I am too. I, I just think the home of the Chiefs. They're going to be fired up. Um, I think that they're going to make the fewer amount of mistakes. And um, how worried are you about Tony Romo's bruised ribs? I'm, ru- I'm worried about it. I'm worried about it, and I I, I think it's going to be uh, a two and zero Chiefs and two and zero Eagles going at it to open up Week Three on Thursday night football. Yeah, you can a make couple of you can make it a sweep. Now. I also like Kansas City. Um, I like KC at home. I think that they're going to they they're going to pack that place. The Chiefs fans are are really excited about it. Uh, I the doubt the you know the Cowboys defense. We didn't talk about that with Al. But the Cowboys defense, you know, Sapp saw it the first time that Dallas played a preseason game, that they are swarming to the ball. They are opportunists, and they are swarming to the ball. Monty Kiffin definitely has tightened the screws there. I just think the Chiefs at home are going to be tough, and I'm going to take them. I know that we didn't see much to to support this, but um, I just I don't know why. I like the Chiefs. I'm taking them. Me too. All right, for my first one, I've got to go with the Redskins-Packers. One of these teams is going to be 0-2. I'm taking Green Bay. Taking Green Bay at home? Yep, I'm taking them at home. I I, I did not like the the, Reds, uh, the Redskins look out of sync. They look absolutely out of sync. I mean, you can tell that they haven't played with their quarterback in the entire preseason. And it's yeah. not like Aaron Rodgers is slow as molasses. Nope. I mean, he, th- that offense is going to be churning out the plays similar to what to what Chip Kelly did. And and I understand that they you know the 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 Packers have not had a 100 yard rusher now in 44 games, um, and they may not get another one now. But well, they're, Aaron go, well, they're going gonna, against a defense that gave up over 200 yards on the ground. They're going to if they don't. I, I don't. I don't see how the Redskins go into Green Bay Mm-mm. and get this one. I'm taking Green Bay in this. Me too. One. I think we're all on Green Bay there. And then the other one. I mean, we got to pick this game. This is the Manning Bowl. Broncos at Giants. I'm taking uh, Denver. I didn't stutter. <sighs> I'm, I'm also I'm also taking Denver. The G-Men 0 and 2 on the season. Is yeah, I mean, the, the, J, JPP said it that he 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 wasn't playing to the best of his ability. I mean, Romo eventually they they were getting a little bit of pressure on him, 
Manning is going to eat him up. Peyton's going to eat him up. I'm going to I'm going to go off it. the grid. I'm I'm taking the Giants in this game. I don't think they're going to fall to into it's it's in New York and I mean everybody is right now the user consensus all the fans their votes uh 14% on the Giants, 86 on the Broncos. Yes. Yeah. I'm all over that too. I'm lone wolf in the Giants. Um I'm, I I like a lot of the home teams this week to be honest. Uh aside from the Saints and the Broncos. Okay. I I I will uh, I will accept your answer, sir. I have made all of my picks. They are uh, all set. They're all in. And uh, everybody can go check them out at NFL.com slash Fantasy Weekly Pick'em and um, see, check it out. Yeah, if you just type in NFL.com slash Pick'em, it's a short URL. It goes right to it. Attaboy. Well. Attaboy. Uh, great show, guys. This was fun. I want to thank uh, the folks at Lenovo and uh, and uh, yeah, Zach Zach Smith. Zach Smith uh, helped us out getting, getting that. Larry, Larry friend of the Fitzgerald. podcast, yes. Zach Smith for sure. Larry Fitzgerald. I want to thank him. Uh, and uh, let's get him on uh, HBO's uh, Boardwalk Empire, and let's get a Kangle on on Arians' head. <laughs> let's get that down. I want to thank Al. How great was that? And Dennis Miller. Dennis, man. Give so, a shout-out to Paul Sheffer so for that. Man. Dennis Miller calling in and uh, Al, call, Al being here in person. And then uh, you surprising me with Hutch. That was great. Does he – Does he? and I want to get Hutch a sec, but does Al do any, any – or Dennis do any um, Southern California shows? Because he's always at these – you know these casinos at Foxwoods or whatever. I would love to see his his stand up act. His stand up right, Let's let's find out. We know the people do that will. That's inform. true. You're asking me a question that you could find out the answer I to know. yourself. And Hutch is a mensch, man. That guy, he's stayed in contact. Like he said, I texted him that picture of the money crystal. That was that was at, a hell of a night. At Poison Pill seventy six at Larry Fitzgerald. All right, at Chris Brockman. Have I tap danced enough? You did. You did. Uh, Derek Bourne at uh, Dell one hundred six five seven. He was requesting a shout out to his future son in law, who's getting married on September twenty eighth. Yeah. An NFL themed UK wedding. Hey. An NFL-themed wedding overseas. Congratulations. Very good. All right. And um, so at Chris Law, very good. Thursday night football. Thursday night football Jets and Patriots. That's going to kick off week number two. Everybody, please go to uh, PuntersOrPeople2.com. Go and get your new designed T-shirt. There's a new design. Really? Yes. A redesign. It's a redesign. 2.0. We rebooted it. Punters are people 2.0. It's a pretty cool design. New colors. New sizes for ladies, women's, and and fatties. (laughs) Three X's. Three X. (laughs) Can't wait. Beefy. Let's put it that way. Beefy. Tweet us your pictures, too. Yes. Your punters or people yes. T-shirts. Three X's. A uh, portion of the proceeds goes to the ASPCA to help save dogs and cats. Help control the pet population. Please have your pets spayed and neutered. Or neutered. <laughs> Having them spayed and neutered would be probably a... You got, little problem. You've got your own, Troublesome. your own set of issues. Yes, indeed. Uh, at Chris Law, thank you, sir. Thank you, Rich. And at Chris Brockman, thank you, sir. Thank you, my For man. At the Eisen Podcast, I'm at Rich Eisen. Peace out. And for all of us here at the Medill School of Journalism, thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Stay listening, dear friends.